welcome to another edition of the Pioneer Perspective. As always, my name is Brad, otherwise known as Brad Zavert, joined by Alex Lochtwain himself. He's back this week. He's here. Hello. Hello. I couldn't miss this one. I mean, come no. on now. This is one of our biggest episodes to date because if you listen last week, we had Doomway gone. Uh, Alex was unfortunately absent, but he was there in spirit as always. Uh, towards the end of the episode, because we talked about a lot uh, last week, but towards the end, we briefly talked about cards we would like to see in Pioneer because I, of course, brought up M13 and wanted that you know as a set uh, into uh, Pioneer, which we, like always, we forget that Arbor Elf is there. We look at all the cards like, this is perfect. Yeah. This is and you're sweet. like, oh, this, this looks so fine. Oh, Arbor Elf. And then, yeah, we see Arbor Elf and we're like, son of a bitch. Uh, and you forgot. Oh, that is... You you guys didn't even mention Clock of Omens. Like, come on now. No, come on. We did not. But anyway, like, that's one of those cards that just like it can never be like not fair. True. It's either unplayable or it's broken in your deck, or it's the best card in your deck. Like, I can say the same about a lot of cards though, <laughs> in Magic to fit that fair. But as we were talking about that, we talked about cards that we wanted to see in general, and of course, when Doomig asked me about mine. As always, one of the cards I will always mention and always have mentioned as my wish list for being in Pioneer is Liliana of the Veil. And we talked a little bit about her power level and if she is right about the line of where Pioneer is. And today, and soon, very soon, we will no longer have to ask that question because we can just find out for ourselves. Today we have official spoiler confirmation I'm going to pat myself on the back, by the way, because I called this three days ago, saying that I predicted it'd be Liliana of the Veil, and it ends up being Liliana of the Veil is in Dominar United, and we will have her in Pioneer, and she'll be a Pioneer legal card going through a standard set. Also, being a standard set, it's a $4 booster pack instead of being a premium $8 to $10 pack in like Double Masters or uh, any kind of Master set in general where you get these reprints typically. So the price of her is obviously likely going to go down significantly from a $65, $70 card to potentially maybe a $30 card. I would love to see her go even lower than that to like $15, uh, but the demand's going to be very high for her. She's going to be amazing and standard, I can imagine. Uh, she's going to be really good in Pioneer, uh, and we'll talk about that, of course. But initial... She'll also be standard legal for a full two years. Yes. So, like, she is standard legal for as long as a card can be standard legal, so in two years, this car is going to be really cheap. Yeah. But um, that's in two years. <laughs> Unless we'll Pioneer, as we all hope will happen, is the biggest format by then. And this format staple will actually still be an expensive card. Yeah. Uh, Seth tweeted out saying that he can see it going down to like 30, 40 bucks because unlike a lot of cards in standard uh, packs, that have commander ties to them in playability, she is not really a commander card at all. So she doesn't no. have that weird inflation of being a commander card, you know, um, where things like, uh, what's it called? Like Mihook Massacre, um, the Turn Timber Symbiosis, another one. There's the finale of Devastation from War of I the I think Spark. it's also going to depend on how good this draft format is. Because... Um... I know there's still plenty of places where they draft Neon Dynasty because people generally don't like New Capenna. 
mm-hmm. like as a draft format as much. So that's gonna have a huge impact. Like Meatook Massacre thing Meatook Massacre is from Midnight Hunt, right? Yes. So we have Midnight Hunt, which I don't know about draft. I I haven't heard anyone mention like if it, that it's amazing. So probably just good. like a decent, right? Draft set they generally do well designing draft sets. Yeah. Very shortly after followed by a new set. And then yeah. reasonably shortly after followed by Kamigawa, considered one of the better draft sets, at least from what I hear. It was so it also just set. doesn't get opened as much. And like this set, presumably, is going to get opened a lot. So, I mean, I just fucking hope so, man. Like, I'm. I, I assume I'm going to have to buy a play set or up to a play, up to about maybe three or four copies of this card. I don't want to drop like 80 bucks on a card, man. Like, like I don't per, either. Like, um, fucking hell. The only <laughs> the only upside to this, and of course, you know, I, I can already hear people listening to this and just kind of yelling at their phones or whatever they listen to on just fucking talk about Liliana and how you think she's going to be a pioneer. But I do want to say, as far as price is concerned, um, she does have the benefit of longevity. She was a staple in modern for the entirety of modern up until modern horizons one and two and that coming out that she's now kind of fallen out of favor a bit there um so to have that type of longevity in a format like modern with so many powerful cards it's hard to argue that she's not going to have a similar lifespan in pioneer um yeah that's that's true but i guess let's talk about i've already dropped that i mentioned her as a format staple that i'm probably going to have to buy three or four of so I yes. think my verdict's pretty clear. I think Liliana is nuts. Uh, I don't think it's the best three drop in Pioneer because Fable of the Mirror Breaker exists, which some for some reason might might be like a better card. Uh, I think someone on the uh, Juke on the Discord, more. yeah, Juke on the Discord said like I wouldn't take 2022 Saga card is better than Liliana of the Veil in Pioneer. That wasn't on my bingo sheet this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I can agree with that because the thing about it is they're both proactive but Fable on a top deck empty board kind of thing is really really good and is a great draw where Liliana is like an early game you want to get her down and like control the board that way however we're not going to overlook the fact that she is going to be phenomenal in yeah, Pioneer just- it's again i'm looking for a lot of people are like you know ragdolls three drop tribal right this is the obvious home for liliana i think she's also going to be phenomenal in grease fang um but she is like a staple for uh ragdolls mid-range kind of archetype so yeah obviously the three drop tribal deck is gonna find room for liliana uh, I well, wouldn't be let's... surprised to see like a trim on like Bone Crusher Giant or like some yeah. other card. Um, That's what I was maybe ask. like running. Yeah, it's um, hard to run right because there's a lot of good three drops. Yeah, so where do you trim? And I was gonna suggest Bone Crusher going down to like a two of instead of a four of. Yeah, I, I think you trim Bone Crusher. No, I think you trim Graveyard Press uh, Trespasser. I think there's a depending on the meta and arguments be made to not run main deck Kalidas. I always find that slightly suspect anyway. I agree. Um, Sorin is just not an option anymore. I already no. thought the card was garbage, but it occasionally showed up as a one-off. That is just, like, completely Wrong. out of the window yeah. now. If you had a Sorin in your deck, that is now a Liliana, 
right? Yeah. Like that is no questions asked. Um, so I think in that deck, she's going to be phenomenal. Um, I think uh, a deck like Greasefang, she's going to be fantastic because she goes any in black every deck version of Greasefang. Yeah. yeah, she. I think she goes in like m- most black decks. Like even just in the sides to shit on blue white control, right? Uh, or other control decks. I, I think she's going to be hmm? mono black. I mean that that's just Rakdos, but worse. No, 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 mono black aggro. I don't think this is like a good topper in an aggro deck, like at all. Like it's think, it's good I in the sideboard. It's, it's good sideboard. I think card. it's really good in mono black aggro because. But you is just mono pitch, black aggro's problem control? Like, is Control uh, Mono Black's problem? Because that's what, like, if I would cite this in, I would but, play it but in a Mono deck Black's that, like, struggles problem with the is also, I mean, Control is whatever, um, but mid-range is a big problem for Mono Black aggro as well. And having a way to, you know, kind of bring them down in the mud with you and, like, just your pitching. when you, If you go against yeah, Rackers, I mean, for example... They're probably running Liliana too, but I guess if both players are running Liliana, that just means everyone's running not, on empty. Yeah, but Liliana isn't a bad card for you as the mono black player because you're running twelve recursive creatures. So they just I will mean, come back. I think she's good in mono black. Like it's probably it, it's probably a boost to mono black, right? It's a mono black deck. This is a black card. It is a phenomenal magic card. Um so you're probably you're probably like happy to run it. Um I think the problem is and why I think mono black aggro is still going to be like this like C tier deck or whatever that it's been mm-hmm. for a long time now is that everybody gets this card. Right? So that like, I mean, it's not a rising tide raises all ships, but like a rising tide raises all black decks. So this has made Grease Fang better. This has made Rakdos mid range better. So I still don't really have a reason to play mono black. Other than, I want to, and I'm now better against something like blue-white control, so it's definitely a boon for your deck. But I don't think it makes, like, the war... I I wouldn't, like, go to Carp Market and get your Spawn of Mayhems now. Like, you're you're probably good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is probably better than Spawn of Mayhem. (laughs) Yeah, it might might be, like, in that... So, again, I consider it a, a card that would, like, go in the sideboard... I can imagine if I haven't played Law Mono Black, I haven't played against it in a long time. I generally found it a very frustrating deck to deal with as a control deck. But if your control matchup is bad, having a sideboard plan with like a play set of Liliana of the Veil, a play set of uh, Rankle, and like two Liliana Waker of the Dead or something, I don't really see how you like ever lose to a control deck. So like the plan's there, right? Yeah. I mean. Um, she's gonna be great. Yeah, yeah. And control decks, she's gonna be. I don't know. Like, I think she's kind of like in this too good to pass up category. Um, I think a control deck is gonna be more likely to not plus her every turn. Because there are gonna be situations where you have a card in hand, your opponent doesn't, and obviously at that point you're not very keen to uh, plus your Liliana because she's going down a card. And I think the ultimate isn't the scariest thing. It can be a kind of card that means you can get your opponent in a position where they can never start double spelling. 
Like, if they think of... They, they can no longer hold a card, so they have to just play every card as they draw it. Because you have Liliana in play. If they hold it, you're just going to plus Liliana and the card's gone. So they have to run everything into your sweepers, into your counter magic, into your removal spells. Uh, they're going to have to play, like, a small creature when you have a Gearhulk in play, which is basically is, like, not playing a card at all. Because they can't psych you at all because Liliana's in play. So I think in control decks she is, she could be run. I'm probably gonna try running her, um, mm. but I'm unsure how successful it's going to be. It is like more sorcery speed, and at three mana this competes with the counter magic you want to be holding up or the maestro's charm you want to cast. Like from literally just Grixis, but like in most control decks, if you're playing like something like Esper, that's also like absorb territory, void rend territory where you're not super keen on tapping out and playing a Planeswalker. I don't see her being played in Esper that much, to be honest, because I think double black is genuinely a pretty intensive cost in an Esper Yeah, because you probably also want to have double white for Supreme Verdict. Exactly. Yeah. Um, You're you're splashing black in that deck for Thoughtseize, Fatal Push, and like the single black pips. Yeah. And you're really leaning on things like Absorb, um, Teferi is still great. Um, and then even they do play some Narsets, so needing double blue, double white, double black in a Yeah, is impossible. Is really hard. So I don't um, see her there. I, I, I think Grixis can make more sense. Um, I can see it. Demir. Uh, yeah, I can, Demir. I can see it. I just um, find it very awkward in these decks. And I think the reason why is that because these are Dig Through Time decks, they tend to be like quality over quantity decks. Right? If you think like blue white control, like a blue white control tends to win the game with like six cards in hand. You don't know what they are, yeah. but like they just have so many cards, it must be good. A Demir control deck tends to win with like three cards in hand, but you know they are like the best three cards in their deck. Which means that playing a card that makes both players discard is really painful. Like, I've regularly had hands with, like, a Sinister Sabotage and a Dick Through Time. Like, that type of hand. And just, like, I want to throw none of these cards away. I'm going to cast Dick Through Time, find two other amazing cards that I also don't really want to throw away. So I think it's going to be awkward. But I think her power level just individually is so high that it'd be strange not to try I do think a really good archetype that gains a lot. I think the archetype that gains the most, because uh, we obviously she slots nicely into Rakdos and that kind of thing. But I think Golgari midrange is the one that benefits by far the most of this, uh, because it's the one that's been lacking that punch for the yeah, longest Yeah, it, it doesn't have Saga, so like exactly. it doesn't have the arguable best three drop. Yeah, so now you just go three bunk. Uh, th- I'm sorry, three graver trespasser, three of these, and then you go like Soren at the top end kind of thing, and then like I even seen like Elder Gargaroth at like the five drop slot and stuff. Mm, yeah, um, I think that just makes it significantly better. Uh, this also can make people want to look at maybe things like Grimflayer a bit closer now because now you have a bit more of a easier way to turn on uh, Delirium for that with the discards. Uh, and things like that. Uh, obviously, eight rack players are going to love this for things like their waste oh knot uh, and, and all Didn't that. Didn't even consider stuff. those decks. Oh no. Yeah. The so Raven like, Man decks, as we'll get to. 
Also, the um, Mono Black Devotion deck uh, that kind of is like a bit more of a control deck with like the, uh, the yeah. combo of uh, Underworld Dreams and stuff like that. That's going to be nice as well to just kind of like, again... I mean, you could even... That deck, you, you got like the Underworld Dreams parent that is like nonsense. I can even yeah. imagine you just take out Underworld Dreams and you play an actual good card on turn three. And you just like cast two Garys and win. Which yeah. is like probably also a good way to... Go a bit more into the devotion plan as opposed to the weird I, combo thing. I think an interesting thing, and it's 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 funny because it's my Twitter handle now. Um, Dex with Castle Lockflame, a card we haven't seen in a while, surprisingly, because everyone's busy playing like Manlands and that sort of thing. That's like a card that like kind of goes interestingly with this, because if everyone's down to zero, that means drawing the cards is like generally going to cost you like one or two life, which means you that's like a sort of like game plan where you can just default back to drawing like a lot of cards of Castle Lockswain because your life total isn't under as much pressure. Mm-hmm. I think that's like a like an interesting synergy. But I think before we turn this into a Liliana episode and we have much more to talk about, are you actually happy to see her? Yes. I am. Um, I, I have a little bit of bias because I do love this card a lot. I'm a big fan of this card. Uh, I, I I like that play style in Modern, uh, which wants to play this kind of card. And it's it makes me happy that with her not being as good in Modern, like I said before, she actually has a proper home now. And I don't think she's too good for Pioneer. I, I've been saying for a while that I think she's right at that line. Um, I would argue that Karn is a better Planeswalker than she is um, right now in Pioneer. And as far as like a card that you would dislike, uh, I don't mean you as in you, Alex. I mean like you as like a general like person playing Pioneer. Uh, there's a lot more feels bad with things like Karn and like Narset and like these Planeswalkers with static abilities. Uh, more so than Liliana, because Liliana is is a very, very fair card. Um, she has the typical things you want for a Planeswalker. Uh, she's good three drop, you know, plus or make your opponent discard a card, that kind of thing. You can minus to just, you know, have offer some kind of protection, sack a creature, that kind of thing. Uh, her ultimate isn't game-breaking, but it's good if you get to it um, in a lot of board states, but more likely you're just going to keep plussing. Um I think she's fine. I think she's really good. I don't think she's anything that I'm going to be upset about. And I, I, I'm excited to uh, see how uh, decks build around her and where she slots in nicely. So, yeah. Yeah, I think... So, I'm generally unhappy that she's in. I agree that Liliana, for the most part, is a pretty fair card. Because even, let's say from, like, she's supposed to be good against a control deck, right? That's, that's like, yep. Or at least, like, that is definitely part of Rush's power. Her Edict effect is very powerful. It can really mess up Niftalite, like, killing their Karyatid, then shrinking oh, yeah. their hand size while they, like, stack up all these great cards. It's going to be very good in that matchup, I think. Literally just killing Karyatid is so important, right? Um, But, and, like, so let's say I'm playing Grixis. You play Liliana, you plus it, I Maestro's Charm it, now we both discard a card. That That's just two for two. Yeah. Like, that. that's just, like, resources is even, right? It's not something like Narset, where, like, you downtick Narset, I still have to kill it, because you might days undoing, and now you've, like, two for one me, and that's going to, like, snowball really badly as you play your next Narset in a turn after. So she doesn't have that element to her. 
which might make her like tame enough. I personally, and I know a lot of people do like this gameplay, I don't like the gameplay of this card. Um, I've never played with Liliana. I've never cast her because I couldn't afford her in Modern when I played. Um, or at least I don't want to spend that. I didn't want to spend that kind of money on her. Yeah. She was like a hundred bucks a pop at the time. Um, which, frankly, I'm still not willing to spend on her. If she's a hundred bucks, I'm just not playing her. Like I'm just accepting that fact. But that's also part what I find very annoying. This card is instantly giga expensive. Uh, and I think like 30, 40 bucks is still a ridiculous amount of money to spend on a piece of cardboard. I agree. Um, but a lot of what the gameplay that I remember of Liliana and seeing of Liliana boils down to is in no time, nobody has anything. Like most creatures are dead. The hands are empty. Uh, I'm not attacking because I want to protect my Liliana. And the game just kind of turns into like this top deck fest that, you know, we talked about before when we were like, is Rakdos midrange a good deck? We were like, yeah, it's amazing at top decking, right? It gets to the situation where you're all top decking and you're kind of low on resources. Liliana is probably even going to make it that everyone's low on lands. So people might be stuck on like three or four lands. And that's where these type of decks are really good. It's just not the gameplay I really like. Because I feel like I'm just ripping the card every turn. And I first have to rip a Liliana answer. Otherwise, I lose the game. And then I have to rip an answer to whatever the fuck else you were playing. And personally, I just don't find that very enjoyable. Um, I think one classic modern trip, by the way, that we're going to have to teach people immediately, is if your opponent is empty-handed and they plus their Liliana, and you bounce the Liliana, that means they're having to throw it away. This was always yeah. a, a stare-off in Modern. If you were playing a Cryptic Command deck, and your opponent was playing Liliana, they didn't want to plus, because you could go Cryptic Command, bounce a permanent you control. This in Pioneer can be done with something like Brazen Borrower. Mm -hmm. So, like, interesting trick to know. But, like, anyway, that's, like, that gameplay of, like... And I know that sounds hypocritical because I'm playing control, right? Where my goal is also to have nothing happen. So I, it's it's hard to put into words. I generally just like am not a big fan of like resource denial strategies because like these type of discard strategies, they're going to lead to like it's turn eight. You only have four lands in play and you draw a five drop, right? And that's like a card like Liliana, kind of akin to a card like Luris. If Liliana is super prevalent in your format, people are encouraged to play, like, relatively medium land counts and low curves. And I don't really need more cards to encourage that. I think a second point that I quickly want to make before we move on, and again, we spend too much time on this, I kind of don't like the fact that we have gotten an old modern powerhouse card that is basically guaranteed to be good in Pioneer. Because part of me is like, I've seen this card. Like, I want something new. I don't want 2018 Modern, right? I don't want them to reprint Death Shadow and Snapcaster Mage and all these cards. It's like, I've seen those cards. I've played with those cards. I like Pioneer because it's something else. And, yeah. like, when I was with a friend, it's like, yeah. He was like, well, but it's no longer good in Modern anymore. Uh, it's not as good in Modern anymore. So now it's like, cool, it gets to shine in Pioneer. It's like, I get that, but, like... In, like, I mean, they probably print new cards, but, like, in two years, if Stoneforge Mystic is no longer 
uh, a top tier card in modern i don't want it like a year later to be printed into pioneer and we just keep playing the same magic people already have been playing i want new I stuff G- give me a new liliana right this art is i mean i i'm at least happy that the art is so good because that's going to make me happier to play with it it's phenomenal i don't right? know about you this is my favorite liliana art and i don't think it's very close i agree um i think I second think place is, for me is uh death's majesty from amonkhet that one's phenomenal i think this is better than original liliana of the veil which i'm pretty sure is a lot of people's favorite liliana art this is the yeah. better liliana of the veil if you well, ask me. i'm a huge fan of the direction of art in the last few years where it's gone into this hyper realism uh like detail oh, man this shit's so good like the whole art in this set is fucking hell dude every well, card I, is a masterpiece i'll give you an example um MC, who's listening to our thing right now, when I showed her this art a few days ago, she immediately was like, oh, that's an illustration. Because when she looked closer at it, thinking it was uh, like a like a picture, or like a, a cosplay. It was like hand-drawn. Oh, you thought it was an actual picture of a person? Yeah. I mean, that's not too far off, I'm going to be honest. Like, it looks so good. Um, so I'm a big fan of it. Yeah, the art's great. I will say, though, um, two things. To go to your point about the uh, the gameplay of just kind of, like, wanting to be hellbent and, like, not have anything going on and just kind of discard and, like, top deck stuff, that's what Rakdos already wants to do. And if you enjoy playing Rakdos, it's just going to even further that game plan already, which is why everyone thinks this is the card that just immediately makes it uh better and of course it does another thing though last week we talked about the uh difficulty of picking a black removal spell at least as far as the two mana instant speed ones go versus like doom blade heartless act power kill that eliminate. Kind of thing. we briefly talked about eliminate and this increases the stock of eliminate significantly Eliminate yeah, hits was... Fable Fable when it's flipped, hits Greasefang, hits Liliana now, hits Narset when that's played. Um, this is really good news for people that want to play Eliminate. And I think Eliminate's pretty well positioned right I, now. And if I your prediction so of it bringing down the curve, if your prediction of Liliana encouraging yeah. people to play then she curves, gets even, it gets even better. Yep. Um, I think there's one like annoying part that's gonna come up, and it's like the curve's gonna go down, and then you play like all this like CMC limited removal, and they're going to get the deck, and they play like one five drop, and you just like fucking die. <laughs> that's gonna be really annoying. Yeah, well, you, if but, you're playing Rakdos, yeah. you still want some like dread bores and stuff. I personally want Terminate to be reprinted. Um, gimme, gimme. That'd be so good. Um, by the way, I just quickly looked up because I was like, "This this Liliana art's like fucking phenomenal, right?" And I looked up the artist, and I don't know her from any of anything else. Uh, I think it's her, her because her first name's Martina. If I'm misgendering, excuse me, uh, Martina Fakova. So she's only got twenty three cards on Scryfall, and some of them are like these like promo cards, you know, where you get like the full art. So it's like less yeah. than twenty. The, her repertoire is nuts. Right, uh, Tasha the Witch Queen from Baldur's Gate, which was amazing. Soren yeah. the Mirthless, um, Lord Xander, Dragon Raids Channeler, the Judge promo for Edgar Markov, uh, Angel of Suffering from uh, Capenna, Blood on the Snow from Kaldheim. Like, 
first of all, it's almost all black cards. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> black or red cards is basically all of them. Um, but holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Can this person she... be like a mainstay in magic? Amazing like, hyper realism. Amazing, like, it just illustration and detail. Uh, I, I, and I will. The, my favorite thing about this art is the mirrored version of her uh, looking at her like she's her own entity with the chain veil. It's great. So good. Also, for all of you saying uh, it breaks the lore because the chain veil is no longer in uh, even in her possession. It's in a puzzle box on Ravnica protected by Niv-Mizzet pretty much. And it's um, a mundane item now. Ugin took, basically ripped it off its magic. Yeah. Here's my argument to that. Who fucking cares? I um, hate... Here... Yeah, you'd probably like just lore. Like, who cares lore? I just want a cool card. Well, no, here's the thing. I hate people putting way too much stock in the lore affecting cards because it's the same argument. It's the exact same fucking argument as people saying who would win in a fight, Spider-Man or Hulk or Captain America or Iron Man. And it's like... Whoever the writer says is who wins the fight. <laughs> because we have writers that develop the story, you can make it justified in any way, shape, or form that you deem fit because you want it to I, work in the story. I think also, uh, because um, I think that's so, some, uh, I saw someone on Twitter and they had a, a post similar. I, I forgot what exactly they said. But I have uh, like Amy a Amazonian other version of it. About it. Was it someone? Is Geralt of Rivia still Geralt of Rivia? Is he if he is currently not in Rivia? Wasn't the of Rivia means he's from it? Like that's that's his like. Yeah, but like yeah, but off the veil, the veil, the chain veil is like, if if not for the chain veil, Liliana would be dead. Yeah, because that's why she went quick forethoughts for the people who don't know. And that's why the demonic contract was there too. Liliana is really old. So Liliana was around in a time when planeswalkers were basically gods. And then the mending happened and planeswalkers lost a lot of their power. That was Bolas's motivation to do everything he did because he wanted his power back. Liliana, I don't know how she got the chainville. She somehow got it. I don't know the lore. And had a pact with four demons basically to give her at least part of her power back and very importantly planeswalkers used to be immortal and now they're mortal so she also wanted to be like hey can i have like not dying be a thing <laughs> and that's why she got the pack with the demons and that one was secretly broke by nicol bolas so when the demons were killed it defaulted to nicol bolas that's why she's a dreadful general that lore is decent enough that people probably know so yeah. like the chain veil is like the item i think if a lot of people look at the chain veil like literally the artifact called the chain veil they basically see liliana in it mm -hmm. even though it's just an object that she's could wear but everyone's like oh yeah that's the liliana thing it's yeah like, yeah it's liliana of the veil liliana of the most important artifact in her life well i told you the other day um we were talking about this being a possibility and you brought up like the thing with the war too that you saw people were saying on twitter I was like, it doesn't need to be a thing that's in her possession. It can just be a thing that's so integral to her character that, yeah. and of course, the art is showcasing that, that it's in her past, and you, she doesn't have to be in possession of it to be Liliana of the Veil because she's grown so much as a character. You can just say, hey, it's a part of her past. We acknowledge that. 
she has grown so much that the ruthlessness and the power that she um, adopted from the chain veil is something that she is more than capable of tapping into today and in the current story and utilizing it to her advantage and basically donning that persona without actually being the original one. And that's okay. It's like, you don't have to make it such a one-to-one ratio of being perfect with a story. Representation is a perfect thing. It's like the thing with lands. People are like the, we talked about this a few episodes ago with like, uh, like the lands and like the fast lands need to be tied to like certain planes and stuff. And I was like, like with the brothers war thing, with if Karn goes back in time, if that's like the story, you can just have a reprint of a fast land that exists on Mirrodin, for example, but have it represented in a way that it's Karn reminiscing or it's Karn telling someone about it. And it's like an illustration of that land within a, you know, a scripture or a book yeah. or literally him talking about it. And that can be the representation. You can still reprint that land without it being in that plane. People are way I, too fucking nitpicky about that shit, and it's just like I think one thing though that I will like give them because I kind of feel the same way. We went from Liliana and War of the Spark, then we suddenly got Professor Onyx, which was like basically a different character, and now we are back to Liliana of the Veil, vale, which feels like we've kind of like gone back. And there's a lot of like stories and things you can read, etc. But sometimes it's also cool if these things happen on the cards we're playing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Liliana is like speed running a character arc arc if you look at the cards alone. And yeah. it'd be like it'd be kinda cool if we got like in this case, like what if we got like Professor Onyx on her way back to kinda being Liliana again. And between Dreadhor General and Onyx, we would have gotten a Liliana that's like, I don't know, very regretful or something. But she's just speed running a character arc. And that's my argument. kind of annoying because she is such a cool character. So I think people just want more time with her. My argument and for that is pretty simple. In Strixhaven, we saw Liliana as Professor Onyx, which in the lore is her running away from her past, quite literally represented in the card Confront the Past. And this is her confronting her past. She's been running away after the guilt and the burden she's felt and the PTSD she has from losing Gideon because he sacrificed for her. And all the things that she's she's done throughout her entire character's history is, in a lot of cases, very selfish. And this is the first selfless act she was finally going to make uh, to stop uh, Nicol Bolas. But then Gideon stepped in and made it for himself. So, of course, she has that survivor's guilt if it should have been her. And this is her returning to her... uh, Because isn't Dominaria her home plane? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Okay, so she's returning to her home plane in the its most dire uh, need of a savior ever. Um, yeah, and, I just, I just and, hope and this Liliana's is her gonna catch some spotlight cards. Like, cause it's a lot gonna be about the Frexians, blah blah blah. I hope Liliana gets some like spotlight e cards. They don't even have to be like black, right? It can just be a card featuring Liliana. And mm-hmm. uh, I think an interesting thing about those things is if those cards are actually good. Because, yeah. like, it's way more fun if a story is told through a card you see than, like, some draft chaff that you never get to see like if you're not Like, Confront the Past was, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's a card that's, like, cool, it was a really awesome card, but, like, nobody ever gets to see it because it sucks. I think I think the story works. I think the arc works pretty well for her in the way we... Because you have to remember, Strixhaven was over a year ago. Um, yeah, but we had, like, none of her in between, so... True. For the sake of Liliana's um, stories, they're happening after each other. Yeah. But, I mean, we 
she was revealed the reason she was supposed she was revealed in the story today i haven't read it yet um but i'm sure the story that we got gives a nice explanation of why she's there and that kind of thing but i I think this is a good representation of her finally taking control of that selflessness she wanted to enact in the first place um and uh and getting not getting over but at least acknowledging um and trying to push through the the guilt she feels about gideon and finally doing something for that isn't for herself um yeah i and I and think this you are right, like, literally. the art really helps. The fact yeah. that you see, like, the veil behind her. I'll say I will, because, like, I try to sort of, like, play devil's advocate with it, like, speedrunning a character arc. If they also Phyrexianize or whatever her, complete her, then I will accuse them of speedrunning a character arc. Like, there's enough about Liliana to explore that we don't also have to do this shit. But we got another completed cart, which we'll get to, because it's... I was going to make that segue, too. Um, Good job, Alex. All right, cool. It's bad. So, Brad. Yeah, it's bad. But, like, can you read it out to the audience, please? <laughs> it is a Johnny sleeper agent. For those of you who have been keeping up with the story and actually reading it, uh, you might have already guessed that this was going to happen with him showing his teeth and a smile uh, when they literally made a point to uh, acknowledge that he does not do that because it is a sign of aggression in his culture. So he only smiles with a closed mouth. And then when they see when they show him smiling with a an actual grin showing his teeth, they highlight that for a reason. So a Johnny sleeper agent has been completed. He is one a green completion mana, and a white. Um, for the completed mana, just like Tamio was, you can either pay green or white for it or two life. Um, if you do pay the two life, uh, he comes in with two less loyalty counters. So normally he's a four mana. Planeswalker for four loyalty. This will make him a three mana Planeswalker for two loyalty. His plus says, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature or a Planeswalker card, put it into your hand. Otherwise, you may put it on the bottom of your library. He has a minus three. Distribute three plus one plus one counters among up to three target creatures. They gain vigilance until end of turn. Minus six. You get an emblem with whenever you cast a creature or Planeswalker spell, target opponent gets two poison counters. So... First things first, um, if you go by the traditional Planeswalker checkbox, his plus has some form of card advantage, I guess, but it's really bad card advantage. Uh, it's it's a super scry. It's like, it's scry one. If it's a Planeswalker or a creature, you put it into your hand. Otherwise, you could put it on the bottom of your library. Um, I wish it was just, I would rather it just be a straight up plus one. Look at the top three cards of your library put a Planeswalker creature card from among them and the rest on the bottom of library in any order. I think that'd be way better. Um, and it still wouldn't even be that good, frankly. Uh, the minus three put counters on things. You can't use the minus three if you uh, pay the two life for the com- uh, the completed cost because uh, he comes in at two loyalty instead. And then in which case, you, you turn away from buffing your creatures to protect him more. But then if you do it the next turn, he dies because he goes only goes up to three at that point. And then the minus oh, six yeah. is just casting a thing. And if you cast a creature or planeswalker, your opponent gets two poison counters. So if you're going on a if you're in a go wide strategy, which is what this card wants to go in, um, then you can potentially kill your opponent pretty quickly with the with the count poison counters. Yeah, uh, I just feel like good. if you've if you've cast a planeswalker that revolves around creatures, you probably want to have like a pretty proactive deck, right? Yeah. By the time you've plussed a Johnny a couple of times, and he's alive, 
I, I think you're winning that game already. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like the start, like he's got two loyalty and he pluses one to like maybe draw a card. This is like Domri raid from like Guild Crash. Yeah. Gate like Crash, said, sorry. Even like if not even good. Even if it was like I said, instead of it being a, a, a super scry, if it was just straight up like anticipate for creatures or planeswalkers on us plus one, it still wouldn't be that good. No. It'd still It'd be, be pretty, pretty decent because eh. it comes down early and it just kind of, kind of like sits there drawing your cards. But like, that would have probably been like a. I mean, maybe that card would have been decent. It just the, the minus three is also just so bad. I'd rather play Banal- uh the um, is it Banalish Marshal? No, that's the the Lord. What am I thinking of? Uh, the the one that holds the fucking trumpet. The two three and his battlefield. Oh, militia bugler. Thank you. I'd rather play that. Like, this isn't good. Um, it doesn't offer any built-in protection for himself. Sure, if you cast him for four mana, he goes up to five loyalty, which, of course, is, you know, a decent chunk, and it's going to be hard to deal with at that point. But you want to cast him for three, so it makes him better. But then if you cast him for three, you lose out on the thing that really benefits. Uh, but also, you want to cast him... There's two reasons you want to cast him for four, more so than three, in the sense of his card, is because... If you plus, like I said, and then next turn you minus to buff your creatures, he dies, so he's by. So it's a three mana um, scry one, distribute three counters over the course. It's like a three mana saga, basically. Yeah, like, I mean, there's then, not too much more to say about it other than shit on it. Like, this card is just not good. Don't put it yeah. in your decks. You, like, you know, Unless you can figure out a way to, like, literally get him to ultimate the turn you cast him. And you have some cool combo with him. That is the only justification I could see. And I still have like better four mana planeswalkers for you to cast. Yeah, but at least the minus six eventually will kill them, right? Yeah, but then I'm even like play four mana Garrick, and now you have an emblem with all your creatures have plus three, plus three trample and haste or some shit. And that also effectively kills them. Yeah. Yeah, and that also effectively kills them. So, like, yeah, like this again. It just cards bad. Like, don't play it. Next one, Brad. What have you got for me? Well, let's uh, look at... So we have a bunch of cards. I guess let's go to the next big character in the story, which is going to be Shouldred, the Apocalypse. If you remember, we talked about last week with Doomwake, we talked about the potential leaked card that was Shouldred um, Insidious Conqueror. I think was the name of it of the leak which I was think that so. which is the five mana ridiculous Bat shit card. insane card yeah well luckily for alex we this got is quite not the opposite <laughs> yeah we got a four mana two double black four five legendary creature phyrexian praetor with death touch that says whenever you draw a card you gain two life whenever your opponent draws a card they lose two life so it's like a uh what was that um it's like an underworld dreams effect for your opponent on a decent body. It's a 4-5 for 4. Good blocker. Death touch means that even things are bigger than it, it's fine. I, I would rather it not have death touch, to be honest, um, because it'd be much better. I think the death touch would be way better and this card would be ba- way better. I'm getting ahead of myself. If whenever you draw a card, Shielder deals 2 damage to something, 
and you gain two life when your opponent draws a card like something like that like same thing i mean that would actually be pretty nuts but like i don't think on every card that would be insane holy shit but um i mean my problem is just you know we we have like a bit of our thing on this podcast where we say this card would have been good in 2018 what this card would have been good in like 2012 <laughs> like this, this is just there was a point in magic where this was a, is a good card we have gone far past that point well, it has no etb no um, protection no protection it's four mana its stat total is like completely medium like four mana for a four or five is just like what you'd expect um Whenever an opponent draws a card, they lose two life. It's just, like, so minimal. It's like this card has, like, half haste. And then it just, like, dies. Like, it doesn't stabilize the board for you in any way. Like, just, like, what card's better at winning you the game? This or, like, Kalidus, right? It's not okay. even close. I could argue, though. I could see this. Remember when we were talking about Liliana in, like, the Mono Black Devotion, where you just take out the... Underworld Dreams and just play a good card like Liliana. Well, now that you've opened up that three-drop slot, you can curve into Shouldered and then still keep in your fucking combo thing. Because it's yeah, a body I just, now. But I think I just wouldn't be on the Peer into the Abyss thing. At yeah. that point, I just target myself with Peer into the Abyss. And I just yeah. find a Gary and kill you. That's true. <laughs> That's, just... That's true. That's just, like, kind of the point where I'm at. I always find that it kind of weird about that deck anyway. It's like, I get it. With Underworld Dreams, it's a kill. But if I generate a bunch of um, black mana, why not just draw half your deck? <laughs> like, that seems like a good way to win a game of Magic 2. Like, where, like, hey, this would gain you a fuck ton of life if you do. I wish... I do wish that certain elements of the uh, leaked one was, was built in this card. Like, I wish it had Ward. I wish this card had ward. Uh, we see another eh. card that I guess we can talk about next that also has ward. Um, but, like, it needs some kind of built-in protection. It's, it is... the Here's my problem. It's a flavor fail to me in terms of the power level it's representing because it's shouldered the apocalypse, the one that's supposed to bring in the end of days for Dominaria. And then the flavor says, Gix failed, I shall not. Like, that tells me, like, it should be a insane card. I mean, it should, like, destroy a card when it enters the battlefield or something, right? Yeah, give it give like, it blow up a land. I don't give a fuck. ETB, I mean, blow up a land. Probably need to make it, like... Do you just put straight up land destruction on this card? It would actually be pretty good. But, good. like... That's what, I need. I That's know, what I'm I saying. Like... It should be. The card should just be, like, flashier in its design, right? I understand that a lot of these mythic cards are just not going to be good. Mm. And they're often really cool, right? There, we have a lot of mythics that are shit but fun. This card is shit and not fun. Yeah, it's boring. Like, it, is, it is a complete miss. Like, compare this to Jin Gathaxis, right? That card's still, like, never seeing play in a Pioneer deck unless some nonsense can cheat it out. But at least the card is really cool. Right? You look at it, you're like, oh my god, what can we do with this? Play. And yeah. I look at this and I'm like, eh, eh it's fine. 
at least give it lifelink. So uh, theoretically, against like creature decks, it's a four or five death touch lifelink. I, I, I wish the, whenever you draw a card, you gain two life was replaced with something interesting. I think Ward's overused. Um, so I, I, I don't want just every card to have Ward slapped on it because I like this design in the way I don't need every four drop to come down and do something. But if you put just this card and Liliana of the Veil are in the same set. They're at the same rarity. They're in the same color, right? Your opponent is like, wow, I play a Shieldred. And you're like, wow, I play Liliana from the same set and just annihilate you. Yeah. Because I make you sacrifice your Shieldred and now I have a Planeswalker on the battlefield. I have a mana over. I thought sees you. I take your best card. GG. I would have, you know like, I would have rather this been like a word soup thing. Okay, get rid of the first line of whenever you draw a card, you lose two li- or you gain two life. I would rather see this. It should be Death Touch, Menace, Lifelink. Remove that first line. Keep the bottom line. Replace they lose two life with they gain two poison counters. And that's far more interesting to me. Yeah, and then, like, if you kill it, there's no, like, residual problem. Well, you have the poison counters and there might be other ways to get it. I don't know. Even just, like... Well, the whole like, point is, like, if, if I you, see if Shieldred, you... she's in, like, this Hulk thing. I think this card should have had, like, I don't know, something just, like, Defender, but have something, like, really sick about her if she chills around on the battlefield or something. Well, the flavor would have been better, because, it, it, theoretically, she's the one who completed a Johnny, right? Bro, I guess. And that inherently gave him an emblem that gives poison counters. Shouldn't she also, at that point, give poison counters? Yeah, I mean, again, we have a lot of cards to talk about, but and we're spending a lot of time on a card that is just not good. Like, you're not going to play this card. If you're going to open this in a booster well, like the instead Trask, of... Uh, the the ter- Tarask or whatever the, the from Tarask, D&D. yeah. Like, it's like an, an epic character. Completely unimpressive. It should be better, or at least more interesting. Yeah. yeah, even like, I don't care if you make this a seven mana card that's probably there for Commander. I should just look at Shieldred and go like, oh my god, what a fucking card. And I look at this, and I'm just, uh, next. Well, let's keep the train rolling on a black card, I guess, because uh, we're talking about important characters. Let's keep with that. Braids is back. We have Braids, Arisen Nightmare. Alex, what does she do? She is one black black for a 3-3 three, three Nightmare. Not even human anymore. Straight up Nightmare. That's fucking awesome. At the beginning of your end step, you may sacrifice an artifact... Oh, I'm going to read this slowly because the wording is important here. At the beginning of your end step, you may sac- you may sacrifice an artifact, creature, enchantment, land, or planeswalker. If you do, each opponent may sacrifice a permanent that shares a card type with it. For each opponent who doesn't, that player loses to life and draw a card. So, an example... I play Braids on turn three. I sacrifice a land on my end step. Now my opponent gets the choice. Do you also want to sacrifice a land? If they don't, they lose two life and I draw a card. If they go with me and also sacrifice a land, nothing happens. This is probably a really fun commander to play with. Oh, hell yeah. I would I would love to play this as a commander. As a constructed playable card, um, it's competing with a lot in a three slot. It's just a three three uh, for three, so it's pretty straightforward there. Nothing spectacular. The ability seems strong in a 
in the deck that you want to play it in. Like, let's say you play an Arachnus Sack, for example. That's hard because, A, you're competing with, you know, a bunch of other three drops. And, B, the sacrifice for your opponent's side is kind of... Uh, or it, it's it's a may, right? So it's it's an option. It's not a guarantee that you get more sack triggers. And then the deck already has a plethora of card draw and card advantage and Unlucky Witness, Village Rights, Deadly Dispute, um, so and Fable the Mirror Breaker. Uh, so do you really care about having an additional card advantage card that on its own as a body isn't that spectacular in general? Um, I, I don't think so. So it's just... It's probably going to be C-Play in standard. I, I, same thing with Shouldered, for example. I just don't find it that particularly great. However, yeah, it, art is fucking insane. Oh, it's phenomenal. Um, I think the problem with this card is it suffers from the standard Punisher effect card. Giving your opponent a choice is basically always a bad idea. Yep. Right? Unless you're giving your opponent two really bad choices and they basically don't have one, uh, your opponent very much has a choice here. And that's the issue, right? This card is like, if this said at the beginning of your end step, you may sacrifice a permanent. If you do, your opponent loses two life and draw a card, it would be better because it's consistent. But this yeah. card is not consistent. You have to throw stuff away, so you need to like have that lying around, right? Do I have a creature lying around to throw away? Uh, should I have more lands? Especially sacrificing lands and then drawing cards can also be kind of stupid, because now you don't have the mana to <laughs> cast the card you're drawing. Um, so, like, yeah, it gives too many choice to your opponent, but it's decent, right? I think the flavor of Braids becoming just a nightmare and not a human is sick flavor i kind of wish she stayed human so she had a home like i think in a human deck she could like that's like the only place i could see her like do anything because we're never gonna get nightmare tribal um it's not a good enough three drop for mid-range as you say there are way better options i mean even in standard right uh fable of the mirror breaker is still in standard Graveyard Trespasser is still in standard. Liliana is going to be in standard. Nobody's playing this card, like, on its own for its value. Because it's a May for your opponent, there's no use in building around this card because your deck might just not do what it's supposed to be doing. So, like, I don't know. Like, it's annoying because this card's super awesome. I just don't think I'm, like, basically ever going to see this card recast. And that's sad because it's dope in every aspect. I like the design even though it's maybe not as good. The art is phenomenal. I love the return of Braids. Um, so yeah, just a bit of a shame that we're not going to see her, I think. Do you want to stick with Black and talk about the Raven Man? Sure. <clears throat> Let's roll with it. What does the Raven Man do? The big reveal. The man behind... Um... Quick lore dip again. Liliana's whole thing starts because she is a healer. That's why I have got heretical healer. Like, she can do healing. Her brother gets really sick. She doesn't know what to do. She goes in the forest to find things. She is approached by the Raven Man, who's basically like, hey, you should give your brother this, and that ends up killing him. And yeah. then, like, I think he turns into a zombie. I think she even gets, like, attacked. That triggers her spark. She planes walks away. Yada, yada, here we go, Liliana. So this man is very important in Liliana's lore. So surely he must be a really good card, right? 
I mean, he works well with Liliana, which is pretty funny. Yeah, cool curve. So Raven Man is a two-mana, two-one legendary creature, human wizard for one and a black. Says at the beginning of each end step, if a player discarded a card this turn, create a one-one black bird creature token with flying, and this creature cannot block. Also has a activated ability where you can pay three and a black, tap him. Each opponent discards a card, activate only as a sorcery. So I guess the cool curve is turn one Thoughtseize, turn two this, turn three Liliana, uptick, discard, make a bird, turn four. If you don't have anything else to do, you can activate him for another discard and then plus Liliana again. I think what I like a lot about this card that I only re noticed when you read it out, it is if a player discarded a card. Yeah. So you can do like madness things with this. You can go, yeah. um, imagine going turn one. Oh my god, what, what's the one one? It's a red card, insolently innate. Like, what mm -hmm. if you're playing Rakdos Madness, a pretty classic archetype? You go turn one, neonate, turn two, Raven Man, you sack the, the guy, you know, get a bit of filtering, you get a Raven, next turn, you play, uh, you play Lily, tick up, you get a Raven, right? Like, there's. There's stuff to do here. Uh, at the beginning of each end step, you can dis have instant speed discard and discard something on your turn, like tick up your Liliana, and then make your opponent discard a card in their turn or sack your insulate neonate in your opponent's turn if you've already plussed your Liliana. I think this card's actually pretty decent. Yeah. There's um, all play to him. Cool deck to build. Being a legendary uh, is kind of tough, but the upside of it being, you know, a two drop is that it's very fragile, which is weird to say, where you actually <laughs> can justify running four of these because he's probably going to die. He's going to die a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think the card's cool. I don't think it's particularly great. Um, I wish the birds could block. Um, and it just said, yeah, that, like, but like, uh, it's fine. Um I like the fact that he can activate himself. Yeah. Just solid on a card like this that they can enable themselves. And like, yeah, maybe Waste Knot's can... the better card, right? If we're talking about a discard deck, Waste Knot, for most intensive purposes at least, is the better card. Yeah. But for a deck's consistency, I will take weak Waste Knot 5 through 8. Yeah, I agree with that. If you're playing like 8 rack, like Waste Knot, then, then you probably play it some number of these right yeah maybe like two just to have a little bit more to punish them with yeah i think that's fine maintaining the legendary creature big important creature we have squee dubious monarch what does he do what a card i love him three well love him i think squee's funny this card's annoying as hell um Three mana, two and a red, for a two-two haste. When Squee attacks, create a one-one red goblin creature token that's tapped and attacking. We've seen it before, Goblin Rebel Master-ish. You may cast Squee from your graveyard by paying four mana, three and a red, and exiling four other cards from your graveyards rather than paying its mana cost. So he has escape. Yeah. He just has escape four. It's like, this is a That's Goblin Rebel Master that has escape. <laughs> like, I Jesus. think he's good. 
I think he's yeah, actually good. unironically really good. <laughs> um, sure, it's fragile. But this is but every control escape. player's like nightmare. <clears throat> if you don't exile this, like it gets out of hand. Um, and like honestly, maybe you can justify playing this like as an actual like goblin tribal deck now. Yeah, like, it's fun. There's there's one point I have against Squee. And that is just, do I want to put Squee in my deck if I can put Den of the Bugbear in my mana? Yes. I don't know if you do. Yes. Mono Red Goblins, let's go. Legion, uh, Legionnaire, whatever. I mean, I, oh, the Morrow teaser, right? The plus one, plus one lords. Oh, that's right. Oh, have it just be like wish list. It's like I don't give a fuck about the white or the black one. You can have it you want. Master of the Pearl Trident, vampires. Elvish Archer. Vampires. Oh, yeah, we can have like some vampire lord. I don't know which one it would be. Do we have like an old one that is like a vampire lord? I don't that know. That we like don't have I'm, now. But, like Elvish Arch Druid, Master of yep. the Pearl Trident, yep. Goblin Warchief. Hell yeah. That'd be great. I think and then Squeeze you have the goblins really and the cool. merfolk and splashing green in all of them, baby. <laughs> Coco. Coco. Um, but yeah, I think Squeeze is pretty good. Uh, I think it has good play to him. I don't think you need to run four of them because of the escape. And of course, he's legendary, so you don't want to draw too many of them. Uh, but... Even outside of like a, even just like in a gruel aggro deck, I like it. Um, I don't know. Like, it, finding a home is not as easy as you would think. But it's got to be played somewhere, right? The escape we, for four. Because we have Rebel Master, and Rebel Master is a way faster clock. So, like, Rebel Master's role generally is not necessarily to be like a grindy card. But generally, Rebel Master's role is to be like, like I'm against a control deck. I'm usually playing a lot of non-creature spells. Maybe I'm a control player and play some combo deck. My opponent probably took out their removal. So I'm going to play this card on turn three that kills them in three turns. Yeah. If they don't, they can't check it. And they can't because they sideboarded out all their removal. This card doesn't do that. It's slower. Yeah, but it's also better against sweepers unless they're playing like Fortel yeah. or Shadow's Verdict. Yeah, um, so like there's there's play there too. Though interesting enough, unlike Legion War Boss and Rebel Master, this card says whenever it attacks, you create a one one red goblin, just like Den of the Bugbear. So then it has that problem of because uh, the other ones it's like at the beginning of combat it just makes one. This one has the problem of like if you have something to tap it, like tap it down. To, if you don't remove all that kind of thing, you just kind of like need to deal with it temporarily. You can, um, which there's even a, a new mechanic in this set that does that, and the uh, the stun counters. So like that's a thing. So yeah, and there's there's even like you can't have this sit back and generate tokens and like not have it die to wandering emperor. Exactly, because again, to get the value, it has to tap. And, oh, and then it gets exiled by wandering emperor too, right? Yeah. So then you so can't escape it. Not like the best card against blue-white, because by the time this attack, you've made like one or two goblins. 
yeah, and it I hasn't mean... gotten like the Rebel Master thing where it buffed itself. So mm, also that yeah. card is great in multiples. This isn't. But like yeah. I still think this card's pretty good, right? Like it's one of these cards that's sort of like you look at it and it's like this is a good card. I don't know if it has a home. I don't know what you're trying to counter with this card, but this is a pretty good card. We don't have any other legendaries uh, <clears throat> that are important to the story that have been released yet, but we do have new mechanics. Uh, I did talk about uh, the stun thing. I'm gonna t- we'll talk about that one really, really quick. It's not much of a card. It's Impede Momentum. Uh, two mana sorcery, one in a blue. Uh, should be an instant. Sorry. Uh, tap target creature and put three stun counters on it. Stun counter says, if a permanent with a stun counter would become untapped, remove one of them from its uh, from it instead. Uh, so, three stun counters. So you basically exert a creature for <clears throat> a few turns. Yeah. And this then also scry one. Uh, so we'll see probably more cards like this. Uh, I think the design's pretty cool. It reads to me as a type of mechanic that plays better than it reads, I think. Um... So we'll have to see. This particular card doesn't seem great to me because it's a sorcery. I feel like even if if it wasn't instant, it wouldn't be that great. Um, but whatever. But another new mechanic we got is <clears throat> read ahead. Read ahead is on sagas. And normally the way sagas work is that you just go through the chapters, right? Turn one, when it comes down, chapter one turns on, the next turn, uh, the beginning of your main phase, chapter two activates, etc., etc. every turn. The mechanic read ahead says, choose a chapter and start with that many lore counters. Add one after your draw step, skip chapters, don't trigger. And then you sacrifice it after whatever the last chapter is. So in this case, there's a card called The Phasing of Zophir, which, of course, is Teferi's homeworld that got phased out due to his own uh, fuck-up, basically, and he lives with that guilt, and that's why he's so tied to protecting Dominaria and people in general. It is a four-mana saga, two double blue with read ahead, and chapters one and two are both another target non-land permanent phases out. It cannot phase in for as long as you control The Phasing of uh, Zophir. Chapter 3 says, destroy all creatures. For each creature destroyed this way, its its controller creates a 2-2 black Phyrexian creature token. So you can skip chapters 1 and 2 right at the bat and just have it be a 4-mana sweeper that replaces them with 2-2s. The more I think about this card, I don't think it's that great. I think it's better when you actually have the chapters turn on, the first ones, because at least you can phase out your own stuff yeah but then, then i find it too slow like announcing yeah. a board wipe turns in advance is kind of yeah it's it's like it's the ex- you know what this is it's like the exact same card as uh phyrexian scriptures the yeah. uh, the black one or makes it an artifact that kind of thing and it's like destroy all non-artifacts so but this one gives them two twos in instead so if you're going against like a go hide strategy and it's like you just indirectly buffed all their creatures in a sense. Um, you still have to deal with their tokens, but 
I mean, fine. There's a funny combination to be made here, but then you're in black, so why not play a normal board wipe? Yes. But there's a card like Virulent Plague or something that says all creature tokens get minus two, minus two or something. That is like that means they all die. But again, at that point, you're playing black, so just play a board wipe. <laughs> there's no real reason to be playing this card. So like, I don't know. There's like a there's like a mono blue deck here with like Talrand Sky Summoner. Though that's not Pioneer Legal, I think. Um, where, like, you create two twos to block their two twos after, and at least there's a board wipe in your mono blue deck. This card's probably great for EDH. Right? Yeah. Blue decks will absolutely take a board wipe that they can. Uh, that gives people a bunch of shitty two twos. Because also, you also get two twos. Mm -hmm. So if you're making a bunch of stinkers. And then you blow up the whole board, and now you're kind of like evenly matched on board because it's just 2 2 versus 2 2. So, like, even if you're playing some sort of like Drake Haven deck, right? A deck that's just creating like a bunch of tokens left, right, and center. And then your opponent has big creatures, and you have small creatures, just playing this and downgrading all your opponent's creatures is like viable ish. There's just, like, no Drakehaven deck. There's no green deck, murmuring mystic, making creatures type of deck. Mm -hmm. But if there was, or if there will be, card's okay. We did get a much better saga with Rita Head. Oh. And I'm going to let you go ahead and tell us all about it. I love this one. It is the world spell. Great name, five by the way. Yeah, five green green. So seven mana. The first two chapters are the same. They are, look at the top seven cards of your library. You may reveal a non-saga permanent card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Chapter three, put up to two non-saga permanent cards from your hand onto the battlefield. This, this is card awesome. is awesome awesome like this card is so cool in like traditional ramp strategies um which pioneer has been sorely lacking i mean magic has been sorely lacking for a long time like just mm -hmm. traditional ramp we saw it a little bit at pioneer's inception like this nissa's pilgrimage type of deck we saw a short resurgence with that like gruel dragon lord atarka deck and yeah. then immediately people were like why aren't you just playing mono green devotion and then they find out that Teferi, who slows down the sunset, is completely broken in that deck. Um, we'll talk about that later. Oh my god. Um, what I love about this card is that ramp decks, again, you're playing like Ulamog, Emrakul, Kozilek, right? Titans, those type of cards. And sometimes you're looking at like this 9 or 10 drop in your hand and you're just like, just not there yet. This card can serve as like like a skip. I mean, it finds it seems weird to use this card as like a dark ritual, but as a ramp deck, that's absolutely a thing you're interested in doing in some of your games. Mm -hmm. And if you don't need it for that, it can just find you gas. Going seven deep is exceptionally deep into your deck. Like unless your car, your deck literally has like five big cards you're hitting and the rest is garbage. Sure. But even then, at least it like finds you a land, right? So you, that's fine, right? Maybe you have some lands with utility, right? So there, there's something there. Um, 
But like, yeah, this card's just awesome in like a traditional ramp strategy. And the first thought that immediately came into my head is just, oh, cool, seven mana omniscience. Yeah. Like, play this, drop an omniscience on the battlefield, good to go, right? A card you generally have to ramp into. Now, I don't know if it's good in that type of deck, because, like, what kind of shell would that go in? But, I don't know, it's, it's, it's powerful magic, man. Cheating on I mean, mana costs. You can just go as simple as playing the traditional ramp deck that plays, like, you know, World Breaker and Ulamog, and then you're happy with that. Yeah. I mean, also, the fact this is two permanents. Yeah. You know, sometimes you're playing a ramp deck, and you've drawn your good cards up, but you're just, you're just like, far behind at that point. Imagine casting this and just dropping two Titan of Industry. Ooh. I mean, like, also, just dropping... If you have double Ulamog in hand, and you're like, fuck, I just... Because you have that problem, like, uh, I drew into That's a cast trigger, though, Ulamog. So oh, is it you really? you get the exile. Yeah. Damn. You don't that's get right. the cast. That's right, all the other draws are the cast ones. But still, but indestructible 10-10. Like, yeah, but just like, I don't know, I'm dropping like an Ulamog and a Kozilek. Oh no, I didn't get to draw any cards. But I do have two unbelievably large blockers now. And sometimes a ramp deck just needs that tempo. So I feel like this card has like this perfect mix of like, if you have the traditional, um, too many lands, not enough gas, you can go the slow route and find as much gas as possible, a type of thing you could do. I mean, let's say you're playing against like Rakdos Midrange, right? Oh, I'm yeah. absolutely going to cast this and just grab two giant cards and having to play against them. But if my opponent's on aggro, and I'm flooding a little bit on, like, medium-sized cards. Maybe even I'm playing some, like, like Tertiary Stomper or something, right? That, like, 3-mana 4-4 four, four that finds you a land from uh, that set. Maybe you're running like that, and, like, you have, like, some big beater or, like, a, or like an Elder Gargaroth or something. Ooh. And you're just like, I need a little bit of mana. I'm just going to play this card and just drop both on the battlefield. And, like, even that is, like, really good. It, it does, like, everything you want. The only problem is... Traditional ramp, we haven't seen it for a long time because it's generally not a good strategy. I don't know if this card fixes it, but it does help it a lot, I think. I have a deck for this. Put it in fight rigging. It's a pretty good card to hit off fight rigging. Give me that. Yeah. But it's only a good card to hit off fight rigging, which is... That's fine. <laughs> because, I mean, that's what, the, that's what the deck wants to play anyway, is cards to hit off fight rigging. And, like... You just hit this, and like sometimes you again with fight rigging, sometimes you draw into um, like your big scary threats, like an Uamog or the uh, that big demon that copies itself every turn. That sometimes I've played that, or Titan of Industry, for example. And this can let you, if you hit this off of fight rigging, then you can just drop those in. And in worst case scenario, you can go the slow route, like you said, and set up stuff. Or you can just immediately drop another two Regisars out of your hand, which is fine. I think this is actually kind of pretty good in in that deck. I can see it in fight rigging. I, I, I'm just not as confident in fight rigging as a deck. Um, but like in that deck, this could be a decent card to hit. Definitely. Let me complain real quick, though. What was the first mm -hmm. thing I said about the name of this card? You thought it was a cool name, right? It's an awesome name, right? Yeah. It's the world spell. Does the flavor of this card represent the world spell to you? 
far as like power? Um, I think it does. I mean, I think it does, yeah. And then in the same set, we have shouldered the apocalypse where the flavor does not match the card at all. How do you have such an amazing flavor win for this card? And then shouldered as just like medium as shit. I mean, I mean, wasn't the wasn't the world spell cast by like isn't this the card that like Fraley's cast? So I guess Fraley's just like goes up to shouldered. It's like sit, bitch. Pretty much. <laughs> it's like like I mean, Fraley's is a pre mending planeswalker, so she was really strong. So if it's recalling that, but no, that was the mending of Dominaria. I think you're right. Uh, yeah, I guess maybe she maybe maybe she did both. Right, Fraley's Fraley's was old. Maybe she did both. <laughs> yeah, that, that's but, that's yeah, my little complaint. This, this is a cool card. I really like traditional ramp strategies. Um, I've been keep thinking of like a card that always sits like a card that lives rent free in my head is Hour of Promise. And like the standard thing of going Hour of Promise, find two Temple of the False Gods, cast Ulamog the turn after. Mm-hmm. Like that interaction lives rent free in my head, and I. My, this is like another one of those cards that goes like, ooh, I kind of want. It like... also always says non-saga. So let's say you have yeah. a, um, yeah, you can drop lands and stuff too. Um, which I'm not saying use this as ramp spell. I'm saying use this as like dropping like the, uh, what's the one that Metal War Colossus plays? So you can go get more of them. Uh, Sanctum of Ugin. Yeah, you can drop that. That's cool. Yeah. Is that a cast trigger or? Uh, it is ETB? a cast trigger. Ooh. It's Eldrazi related, loosely, yeah. so it's a gas trigger. Well, we have another returning mechanic that I love. It's domain, and we get our first domain card with Nishoba Brawler, which reminds me a lot of um, what's the Minotaur Brawler from Amonkhet? The four-three discard a card. Two. Oh my god, I know exactly what you mean, but is it like blood something brawler? Yeah. Um like blood hoof brawler or something? No, uh oh I can see it. I see the art. Yeah. I see the card. Um Blood Something Brawler. Yeah, it is Blood Something. Anyway. Blood Rage Brawler. There you go. Perfect. We have Nishoba Nishoba the Brawler. The the green brawler. It's a two-mana star three cat warrior with trample and domain. Its power and uh, its power is equal to the number of basic land types among lands you control. So if you want to play some four or five color stuff, you have a two-mana four or five three with trample. I think that's pretty solid. I don't. I don't think it's. Yeah. That, I, I mean, this individual card's just not good. Um. Because I think of the type of deck this goes into. This is an aggressive card. Not too keen on running that in my five-color deck. Um, Triomes, though. Toughness isn't that. Yeah, but then how do you play this? Do you go, like, Triome and then, like, Shockland this, and then you play a 5-3, but, like, you haven't played a creature on turn one, and your opponent can just Fatal Push it, and now you've, like, devoted your whole deck to, like, clunking around with this card um maybe niv can play I this it's just like an aggro thing out of the board and there are a lot of lands that decks would want to play that don't have basic land types 
like a very big one what I initially went to it's like oh warriors are generally in Obzon colors like you can build like Obzon warriors that's like a thing mm-hmm. but they want to play like unclaimed territory concealed courtyard all without basic land types yep so like like so this card I mean if you have, if you have like a temple garden this is a 2-3 so like the floor is fine you know but funny? it's also not great they bring back domain in a set where here rare land cycle, which we haven't actually talked about yeah. yet, are pain lands. Oh yeah, we completely like <laughs> we're just talking about cards. <laughs> cards with lots of text. Mana abilities are boring, Brad. Who likes lands? We have pain lands and we have uh three of the allied color pairings. Adakar Waste, uh uh Carpus and Springs. And Silver Springs. So we have Rakdos, Azorius, and Gruul. Arguably the three most important ones we wanted. Um, probably. I mean, um, Blue-White is an, probably an enormous win for Spirits. At least, like, the Blue-White Spirits. I don't know if... And Soul. Band really cares. And Soul, huge for And Soul. Uh, Forest, huge for Gruul Aggro. Yep. Um, Silver Springs, I'm a little less... Uh, like it's fine for Rectos. I feel like Rectos's mana base was like pretty good anyway. Mm-hmm. You might want to replace like a pathway or two with this. To kind of have the, the like open the door for more of an aggro. Yeah, Rectos maybe deck. like a more aggressive Rectos deck would want this. Um, but yeah, the Carpluzen Forest and a Darkened Waste are huge. So we are missing Scrubland. Was it Scrubland? No, Scrubland is one of the original cycles. Is it like Brushland? The white green them. one. Yeah, There's the a white sled, green we're missing one. The That's the one we're one missing. And the. Uh... That's always a fun one. Original Slesnia. Meriden cycle. Demir. Demir, yeah. Demir's not um, that big of a deal. No, I think the Celestia is a huge deal. Yeah, I agree. Like Celestia like, Coco and stuff. Yeah, Celestia Auras. Oh, yeah. Like that, that too. Would benefit like a ton. Because that uh, needs better mana. I was uh, talking to Adrian last night. Um, we were just like hanging out. He played a league with Selesnya Auras, and he got the four one with it. Sick. Uh, you know? Do you know what his one loss was to? Well, Claudio on Niftalite. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair loss, you know. You yeah. can, yeah. You know, like, you not upset. He was like, he saw the tri uh, the triumph come down, and then he was like, uh, then another one came down. He's like, is this Niv? And then he's like, hey, Brad, what's the name of that guy who plays Niv? And I'm like, it's Claudio. And he says, it, does it end with an H? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's, that's great. And I'm like, hey, don't feel bad for losing to him. Because if you see a 5-0 list on MTGO. It, with with Niv, Niv, it's, it's Claudio. It's, it's Claudio. So. Yeah, but like, talk about the Painland. So I think. They are a pretty big boon for. I find it like weird that we got six. Like I know they're cutting like the cycle up, but like I know they did this with call time. But like, what's wrong with going five five? Like, and you could have just gone like ally means, now, enemy next set. That means we're getting a world tree type of card in the land slot for Brothers War because that this, this just tells me we're getting the the, the I mean, last I mean, four I, pain lands I guess, but like... and then some rare 
Oh, maybe we get like Glimmer way. Void. Something Good. like that. Um, um, is there anything else that's like set in Dominaria? That it's an older card that we don't have as far as like important legendary lands. Yavimaya, Cradle of Growth <laughs> from Modern Horizons, the one that makes everything a forest. Um, yeah, we yeah. Let's, let's Cabal Coffers. Oh, that would be dope. Um, give it to me. Give it to me. Give me Urborg Coffers. Oh, yes. then I can build. Then I can build the Hour of. Um, what do you call that? That I said the Hour of Promise deck. You just fetch up those two. Your deck's not even black, but you just want a million colorless man, Alec. It's fine. Oh my god, <laughs> that'd be Don't, sweet. By the way, it'd be so silly. Give it to me. Uh, glad we still got Golos. He's not banned. Was he banned in Commander? Yeah, he's banned in Commander. It's By the way, Golos also a good one for that world spell deck because it's a permanent you can find, and also like one you could reasonably drop. I mean, imagine you do go the turn seven cast this and just drop double Golos, you do get both ETBs. Like yeah, and you can start spinning the wheel too, and you can hit this off yeah. spinning the wheel with Golos too. There you go. Cool. I think Synergies. we're building a Golos ramp deck. I think that'd actually be a lot of fun. I'd be really cool. And I, I would argue it might be actually semi-competitive. Yeah. All right, Brad, we've got ourselves a little project. Um, but there's quite some cards to talk about, so let's speed up a little bit because we're an hour and a half in already. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the dumb fucking Sphinxes. All right, we have Sphinx of Clear Skies. Both of them are five mana, by the way. Defire of... Defire of... Defire of... Defiler. I couldn't read because it was blurry. Defiler of Dreams in Sphinx of Clear Skies. One's a rare, one's a mythic, one's a 5-5, five, five, one's a 4-3. We have the Sphinx of Clear Skies, a 5-mana five 5-5 five, five creature Sphinx with flying and ward 2. But then it has domain. Whenever Sphinx of Clear Skies deals combat damage to a player, reveal the top X cards of your library where X is the number of basic land types among lands you control. An opponent's... Oh, motherfuck. An opponent separates those cards into fucking two piles. You put a, one pile in your hand, the other one in your graveyard. Oh, we're this playing Factor ass. Fiction with my opponent. Every time this connects, you Factor Fiction. How ridiculous is that? <laughs> what a card. Oh, Brad, with all these Sphinxes incoming, we can finally play Unash. Is that the one that is like the Sphinx Lord? The Sphinx Lord, where they all cost two less. Because, Brad, Defiler of Dreams, five mana, three blue blue for a four three. Flying, as an additional cost to cast blue permanent spells, you may pay two life. Those spells cost blue less to cast if you spade life this way. This effect reduces only the amount of blue mana you spend. Whenever you cast a blue permanent spell, draw a card. This with Unesh, all your Sphinxes cost three less. Just go ham. <laughs> and they all they all draw you a card and factor fiction when they come in. You will have a hundred cards in your hand. No, it's not good. Unesh is a six mana four four. <laughs> this card makes it a five mana four four. Except you've already played this 5-drop, so hopefully next turn you are on 6 lands. But otherwise, you've got the backup. 
Sphinx have, Tribal. Okay, is this coming. is what we're doing. We're doing Simic Sphinx Tribal with the World Spell, <laughs> and that's how we're cheating in our Sphinxes. <laughs> oh, and you can make extra mana if you play two Moonsnare prototypes for zero mana, and uh -huh. then you tap one to the other, and you make a colorless. And now we're ramping, and we're drawing cards for every Moonsnare prototype we've cast. We can play Mox Amber because we have a decent amount of legendary sphinxes. And this then we can play like, a like horrible deck. And then we can play the two mana one four, like Corridor Monitor or something from Eldraine. And oh my then god! Untap the Mox Amber so that card was zero mana for a one four. Draw a card. If only we had Stormbrad, we would be storming off in Sphinx, Sphinx Tribal. Yeah, by turn six. <laughs> Yeah, got him. <laughs> Ban it. Oh, you you play Arcane Adaptation, and now your Corridor Monitor becomes only one blue mana, but it untaps your Mox Amber, and now it's making you mana. And drawing you cards. Dude, and I it was, comes in for a mini Factor Fiction. I was on board for the Sphinx of Clear Skies until <laughs> it was a Factor Fiction effect. And you were like, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> All right, moving on. These cards fucking Marina. these cards really fucking suck. Let's go to one that also kind of sucks. Archangel of Wrath, four mana, three four, two and double white for a angel that has kicker of a single black mana and or a single red mana. You may pay an additional black and or red as you cast this spell. It has flying and lifelink. When Archangel of Wrath enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, it deals two damage to any target. If it was kicked twice, it deals two damage to any target. So it can come in potentially for a six mana three four that deals four damage to something and you and gain gains four, four life. life. <sighs> uh, it's a four mana three four flying, like it's it's I don't know. This this is this card is like just not there. Like I kinda wish this was like a three three for three. Or or if it was a three five, so at least I can say you can bring it in against red and they don't lava and they coil don't lava it. coil it <laughs> yeah yeah this card needs some work it's cool. cool art i think it's decent for standard but like not for pioneer this is because once you're in black you're playing kalidas not this oh hey we I have think another even an angel deck might play kalidas over this <laughs> like mardu angels might play yeah. kalidas over this card Alex, we have another mechanic we haven't talked about. It's called Enlist, which is a confusing mechanic when you first read it. What does it do? All right, so we have it on Guardian of New Banalia. Look at that shield. White. That's a big shield. Oh, there's um, a baby. Look at the child. Oh, she's protecting the child. Look at that. See, art immediately. Very clear you're, art. You're it is do, really cool. I, like, I love I, these I'm like, going to... I'm gonna I like fucking the stained play glass against shields this. that they have. I do too. I'm gonna be on Rakdos sack and I'm gonna claim the firstborn this card. <laughs> and then your opponent only gives you half the card. Like they rip out the bit with the child, and it's like here's the firstborn. <laughs> Thank you. Um two mana for a two two human soldier. Because they like can stop splitting knights and soldiers up. Whatever you do to them. You cannot stop them from splitting Isn't these up. So the, the tribes never This is never the plane work. that's more focused on knights, though. Why is this a soldier? They also had soldiers in the original. 
Because uh, I remember off. there being this a card. Is, but it's with it's the Guardian of New Banalia, which is the whole thing about knights. Yeah, but it's a soldier. Wait, but is Banalus Marshall? Banalus Marshall's a soldier, isn't it? I think, think Banalus Marshall is a knight. Is it? I'm pretty sure it's a knight. I fucking hope um, it is. Anyway, 2 2, human soldier for two mana with enlist. Now, this is a mouthful. As this creature attacks, you may tap a non-attacking creature you control without summoning sickness. When you do, add its power to this creature's until end of turn. Whenever it enlists a creature, scry 2, that's an effect of this card, not always enlists scry 2, it's just this card itself says, whenever Guardian of New Banala enlists a creature, scry 2, and then it has discard a card, Guardian of New Banalia gains indestructible end of turn, tap it. So, what enlist means, just an easy one, you want to attack with Guardian of, Bana of New Banalia. You attack with it, then you may tap a creature that is not attacking. So even though a creature has vigilance, so it is untapped, you still can't tap it to enlist because it is an attacking creature. And you also can't do the vehicle thing of tapping a creature that you've just played because it specifies it cannot be summoning six. So you are giving up another attacking creature to slap its power onto this one. Now this card has the upside that when it attacks, you can make it indestructible. So it takes that creature's attack power, but it can now hit over something like a Kalidus or another big blocker because it might have additional power. And then you can make it indestructible so it doesn't die. So, like, there's play here. This feels like a really good card in draft to me. Yes. This card specifically, and I'm not a big fan of Enlist. I find it... We have a lot of these attack mechanics, like Exalted, Mentor, Training. This one is so fucking wordy. Like, it... Half this card is reminder text. And that is not even like the reminder text for Scry and stuff. This is exclusively the reminder text for Enlist is half the card. Like, hmm, might have gone a little too wordy on your mechanic there. For example, uh, I find a lot of stuff like that it has cannot have summoning sickness that it cannot have Vigilance, or at least it must not be attacking. I find all of that just, like, kind of too much, and I just wish they'd, like, scrapped all of that and just made it clean. When it attacks, tap a creature at its power. Cool. I'd like to interject and say that you were correct about the world spell being cast by Fraley's. A... Uh, I know someone said on Someone said on Twitter that the world spell is when the Planeswalker Fraley's ended the Ice Age on Dominaria. Ah... Well, look at that. That's cool. All right. Do we have any good enlist cards? Do we get a good enlist card? I think this is the only enlist card we've gotten. Cool. So, no, we haven't. All right. All right, next. Uh, I don't care about the commons and uncommons for the most part, unless they're decent. Um... I guess it was Banalus Sleeper. It's a two-mana 3-1 with Kicker of Black. If it was kicked, uh, each player sacrifices a creature. So it's like... Flashback at worst. Yeah, at worst, it's a two-mana 3-1. At best, it's a three-mana 
Like uh, a soldier. Oh, it's the same thing as uh, what's the one from uh, Guild of Ravnica? Um, plague thingy. The three mana, two and a black, three two. Oh uh, yeah, the, uh, but that had like discard if you can sacrifice. That had like plague bearer, I think it was called. Yeah, it also said sacrifice a planeswalker too, right? Creature yeah. planeswalker. That's, oh, I find this card. This better. is this is obviously like a flagship card, but th- these cards can be like deceptively powerful to hide some removal in an aggro deck. Yeah, like I can totally see a humans deck in a certain meta ending up playing like two of this, kind of like how they played. Um, um, what's the chop down card? Giant Slayer. Mm-hmm. Like you just want a way to like hide some removal. Maybe you are on the play against Niv, they went, so you went turn one, a creature, turn two, like a Thalia, now they go turn three, uh, their turn two, Sylvan Caryatid, you play this, make them sack their Sylvan Caryatid, and even though you're turned, your clock's not, like, ridiculously fast, you are, like, disrupting them so much, that that might be, like, the type of thing that buys you enough time. But, like, I can see that. Uh, now for a card that might actually be pretty okay, uh, Rada's Firebrand, one in a red for a 3-1 human warrior, Whenever Rada's Firebrand attacks, target creature defending player controls with power less than Rada's Firebrand can't block this turn. That is basically uh, Earth Earthshaking Earthshaker Kenra from Amaket or Hour, yeah. whichever. But then she has Domain, where you can pay five in a red, so six mana. Uh, Rada's Firebrand gets plus two, plus two on a end of turn. This ability costs one less to activate for each basic land type among lands you control. So in mono red, that's a five mana ability. In a two color deck, that is a four mana ability, so on and so forth. Uh, which you probably want to just be at most a three mana deck if you're in an aggressive style deck that you want to play this card that has access to red on turn two. Mardu Warriors is, you know, it's got some tools. Like this so, is actually a relevant creature type. No. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's a cool, aggressive creature. I wish I had haste, but... Yeah, I like the idea that, just like Urshaker Kenra, it's not that this creature cannot be blocked. The creature in question just cannot block. Yeah. So, like, it can be a cool way to even get other creatures to through. Uh, the ability can only be activated once, which is annoying, but, like, again, like you're saying, you are probably playing this in, like, a three-color deck. So, at, at like, least it's costing you three mana, probably not very relevant that you only get to activate it once like there's probably going to be very few games where you would want to activate it more than once so like it's fine right next to her is a card that i think is fucking atrociously bad herd migration seven mana six and a green with domain it's a sorcery Create a 3-3 green beast creature token for each basic land type among lands you control so at most it's uh 20 power for 7 mana. Oh, no, not even. They're not 5-5s. Five 15. It's 15. I was thinking they were 5-5s five for a second. Or you can pay 1 and a green, discard Herd Migration, search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle, you gain 3 life. This is fucking horrible. Like, this is a I think really bad card. I think it's, like, okay ish the only the main thing i see here though is that it is like a very big spell you want to ramp into and if i'm playing a ramp deck i want to probably be playing a world spell deck so i don't want to put a sorcery in my deck as a payoff 
Yeah, but like, I don't hate the idea. You play this in a ramp deck. A ramp deck, again, I'm thinking of like some sort of Hour of Promise or Golos deck. That's gonna have a pretty easy time just being like a two-color deck that just has the off-color triome in it, right, as a one-off. You just draw it, plop it on the battlefield, now you've got all basic land types, Hurt Migration makes five beasts. Like, I don't know if Hurt Migration is the kind of card I want to see on it, but if we see another large card with Domain, I think a ramp deck is not going to have a very hard time to just get the full Domain thing. Like, even if you're a mono-green deck, it's probably not too hard to just slap, like, I mean, literally every shock with green in it in your deck and just find them along the way. Mm -hmm. It'd be way better if it was just um, Surge Library for a land with a basic typing to it. Yeah, that would be really awesome. Because it goes to your hand, so I don't think two mana search for a shock land would be that good, to be honest. Uh, two mana search for a triome, that would be kind of disgusting in something like Niv. It would be ridiculous for Niv to fix its mana. It would be like a Karyatid you can't kill. It'd be like giving them Farseek. No ramp, though. So, like, yeah, it's no ramp, which is, like, the huge difference here, obviously. So, like, I don't think it's, like, it would be, like, too good, but it would make the card significantly better. But, like, the card is not particularly good right now. So, it could have probably done with that. But I would rather see, like, the beasts be 4-4s. Four mm -hmm. I, I think it's just too small. Bunch of 3-3s three just doesn't cut it anymore that late in the game. Well, we've gotten through all of the monocolored stuff. Let's get to the cycles of multicolored, mythic, and rare legendary creatures. So we have a few cool ones. Um, first one is Soul of Windgrace. Windgrace is dead, so he his, his avatar self is been like yo what the fuck you doing to my place and he's gonna come back fuck up some phyrexians hopefully well you can't you can't complete a spirit at least they haven't pulled that one off yet so could you imagine if he got completed as a avatar i mean they haven't been able to complete they just just get a ghost army just go back to innistrad just get all the ghosts like easy I mean, granted, like, if we try and apply logic to the magic story, ghosts are stupidly overpowered anyway. Because, yeah. like, 99% of people are still fighting with swords, and you can't hit them. So, like... <laughs> so, Soul of Windgrace is a 4-mana 5-4, 1 and then Jun coloring, so 1 black, red, green, for a legendary creature, Cat Avatar... Whenever Soul of Windgrace enters the battlefield or attacks, you may put a land card from a graveyard onto the battlefield tapped under your control. So it's from a graveyard, so you can steal your opponent's lands. Very cool. And then he has three activate abilities. The first one is you can pay a green, discard a land card, you gain a life, uh, or you gain three life, sorry. Pay one and a red, discard a land card, draw a card. Pay two and a black, discard a land card, Soul of Windgrace gains indestructible until end of turn, but then you tap it. So this is something you want to do like when you declare an attack with him, basically. Um, for that. Or you can do it as a response to like, you know, a kill spell on your opponent's turn. Yeah. Uh, these can all be activated more than once, uh, worth noting. Um, but you need fuel for it, so you need land cards. You want this to be a ramp deck. You want to be playing like 28 lands to have the extra ones in hand. 
Um, and then it also, his discarding land cards also can let them come back in the battlefield when he attacks. So it, the synergy is there. I don't think he's particularly good, though. I think he's cute. Cute, not yeah. good. Yeah. Does what he says on the box, you know. You can do fun things with this. I don't think there's a place for it in a 1v1 constructed format. The next one, though, I think is really cool. Alex, tell us about Zur Eternal Schemer. Ooh, Zur Eternal Schemer is a white, a blue, and a black, so Esper colors for a 1-4. Legendary creature, human wizard with flying. Enchantment creatures you control have Death Touch, Lifelink, and Hexproof. And then for one and a white, target non-aura enchantment you control becomes a creature in addition to its other types and has base power and toughness equal to its mana value. Very, very important to note is that this is not reliant on Zer being alive. Once you've animated a, an enchantment, it's animated. And they cannot kill it until Zer is killed because they, it has hexproof. Um, but like, yeah, this this card's just like pretty good. Do we have a Need way to make deck. this an enchantment creature? Probably. I can't imagine that's that hard. Wait, we'll just do it live. Advanced search. Pioneer. It'd be cool if we had like a, a clone effect that just like, makes a copy of it, but also it's an enchantment creature into, or it's an enchantment in addition to its other types. Because I had a legend rule it. To keep the uh, hexproof lifelink death touch version. Actually, then, making an enchantment is really hard. <laughs> <laughs> nice. There's only one card that does it, and it's a six mana four five that you literally have to untap with, and then it has to be on top of your deck. So yeah, I thought it was gonna be easy. What? I I swear there has to be a creature somewhere yeah. that all other creatures are enchantments to in addition to their other types. There's no way there's not. Maybe I'm like. Scryfall can be wonky when you search things. I don't think there is a way, Brad. Wait, I said becomes enchantment. Is enchantment? Oh, that gives me way too many cards to look at. Uh, I don't. I don't think there is one, Brad. Hmm. We'll I thought later. it too. Like I looked at it, I was like, "This must be easy," but like, nope. <laughs> But making so you want to play this in like an enchantress style deck, I could imagine, um, or even like a fire's invention deck, like you said earlier when we were watching the stream. Um, can't play this in auras because you can't buff the aura things. Uh, yeah, I think this could be a cool card in something. I just I just don't know how to build around it. I, I it would be like in some sort of like fire style shell. Mm -hmm. Like I can see this being a one-off and I mean, Epic can correct me on this if he wants to. This yeah. looks me as a one-off to tutor up in enigmatic fires. Like yeah, that cool that's one. what it kind of strikes me as that that runs a few enchantment creatures anyway. Uh, I don't know if it runs Corsor of Krufix, but like there are enchantment creatures like Destiny Spinner, Corsor of Krufix, like a couple of those other ones. So it's incrementally protecting those, which is pretty cool. Um, and after that point, if your Ooh, opponent it, doesn't it deal runs, with it, uh... you can just turn your fires into a creature with hexproof. And it runs Doomwake might... Giant. Yeah, that's that's an enchantment creature too. 
Maybe there's mm-hmm. like an enchantment creature that deals damage, like on ATP. This gives it lifelink and you can death also make, touch. You can also make Doomwing Giant bigger. You can target a enchantment creature with yeah, this ability. Absolutely. Like Corsair of Crufix, if you want it to be a 3 3 instead of a 2 4, that's a thing you can do. It's obviously not huge, but like that is a thing you can play around with. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite a few of these cards. Um, Eidolon of Blossoms is a 4 mana 2 2. This makes it a 4 4. A four, four. Now, this is an Esper card, and that is a card that is 2 green green, so you're going to struggle to cast it. But, like, if you find some way to cheat around it, again, like a fires type of effect, like, hey, you, you might be on something here. I'm going to give you another one to read because it's Grixis. Oh, you're going to make me sad and read the bad one. Okay. Correct. It's. Let me go. It's Soul Canar, the Tainted, the card that looks so junt that a friend of mine didn't know it was a Grixis card until five minutes after I told him. Um. For really two, blue, black, red, so five mana, you get a 5-5 five, five elemental demon. Pretty cool. At the beginning of your end step, choose one that hasn't been chosen. So if you've picked one, you cannot pick it again, and eventually you will have chosen every option. Very important here. Option one, draw a card. Option two, each opponent loses two life, and you gain two life. Option three, um... This card deals 3 damage to up to 1 target creature or planeswalker. Option 4, exile Solkanar, then return it to the battlefield under an opponent's control. Yeah, you get 3 medium effects and then you give it to your opponent, who will get the same medium 3 effects and then hand it back to you. Like, so... This quickly, this card was in a previous stream. They said this design is inspired by Demonic Pact. Um, mm. Which, like, you know, it's Demonic Pact without all the cool ways to abuse it. Um, so that's kind of silly anyway. And they said a problem they had is if, because this is stuck to a 5-5 creature, which is a pretty reasonable body, if this creature... And they couldn't make it any smaller because it's based on an original card from Legends, which was like a 6-5. So it would be weird to mm. make this a 2-2. Um, if they make it too good, the game just ends before you get to the fourth thing. Because your opponent has to kill it. And if your opponent has to kill it, in that case, then they never get it. So, like, I can see how this design quickly becomes too good. Then my option would be to design something else. Yeah. Other than give it three shitty abilities and then calling it a day. Like, just yeah, be like, this design doesn't work. Yeah, like, this design is just, like, contradictory. This is not a type of thing you can make work. Um, so don't. Pretty simple. Just don't. Instead, they gave it some very medium abilities, and the card is just ass. Like, We're it's playing just really bad. Five card. color fires, and I'm playing this in Tristani. Yeah, that is hilarious, but <laughs> how can you order? Yeah, you can absolutely order that, right? That you give it to your opponent and then get it back. Yeah, and Does then choose the other just ones. trigger on every end step? Yeah. Yeah. And that one's I already mean, been chosen, so they don't get it. You, they, they never get it And again. that means you have to play five colors, yeah, because the one is Celestia. So like, exactly. Perfect. Why are we playing yeah. fires? No, Brad, it's way easier. The turn you're about to give it back to your opponent, 
you emrakul them so you control them during their turn and then you immediately give it back to yourself like <laughs> by casting your opponent's tristani <laughs> no you just you control them so you get to pick the option so you immediately just pick the fourth option and say give it back give it to an opponent you give it back to yourself oh cuz it exiles so it starts it all over again yeah easy just play emrakul and then this card will win you the game and not emrakul Yep. All right, next one we have a Golgari. I think you can play three of these, uh -huh. and then before you pick the fourth one, you play a new one and Legend rule it. That's actually kind of funny. And then they never get it. I guess. <laughs> All right, we have Kalidas at home. Namada. Uh, oh, fuck, this one's in Spanish. Let me click on it. Namada, Primeval uh. Guardian. It's two green and a black for a Golgari... Four mana, three, four. Legendary creature, tree folk. It has reach. If a creature an opponent controls would die, exile it instead. And when you do, you create a one, one green sapperling token. Then you can pay a single green, sacrifice a sapperling. Namada primeval guardian gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. You could also pay one and a black, sacrifice two sapperlings, and draw a card. So it's Kalidas that kind of buffs itself, not a permanent buff, but also has the ability to sack things that you benefit from killing things from your opponent and drawing cards. Um, you're, no lifelink, though. You're in black, so just play Kalidas. Yeah, this is like, like Slimefoot had a bit of a glow up, but like not quite good enough. Art's cool. He didn't. He didn't have the glow up that Kalidas had, going from an unplayable card to a card that has seen play for years since its printing. Mm -hmm. Like, it's sick though. The art is awesome. Uh, I think this card does a lot of things right. Um, there are there are Saproling synergies from the previous time we went to Dominaria, so there's play here. If we get more Saproling synergies again. Um, you know, it can like because you can sacrifice just a sapperling you go in a different way, right? Yeah. Uh, you have some other card that gives you sapperling. You play green. You sack a sapperling. You fatal push something with now revolt, and then you trigger this, and you get a new sapperling, and you can like draw a card with that. So like, there's there's play here. It's an it's a very interesting and fun card in my opinion. Like. If you give this lifelink, you are basically trying to make a better Kalidas, which I think is boring. Yeah. Um, tree Folk often have reach. So for a Tree Folk with Sapperling Synergy, I think this card is pretty much dead on. Cool. Cool commander a in a Sapperling commander deck. Yeah, definitely. But then anything. So like, yeah, I'm cool to see this card. I don't know if it's going to see play. I don't think there's enough synergies to make a Sapperling deck work, but hey, you want to show up to FNM yeah. with a separate deck? I mean, I, you've got even if it's like a Golgari cool deck, like a mid-range deck, I could see this being played over Kalidas in, in some instances because of some of the upside that you brought up, like triggering revolts and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. It, it's it's a toss-up. I guess it depends on the meta. I mean, it takes like one or two good cards that just happen to make Sepralings, and this you could definitely make a case for this card in a more traditional... like. We could just have, like, what if there's, like, a 3-mana 2-2 two, two that makes two Sepralings when it enters? Right, like, okay, that's a cool, like, mid-range card and a card that curves pretty well into this. So, like, hey, now you 
that might just be in like a traverse the oven walled mid-range kind of deck right where you could just tutor this up whenever and just run the good card that makes separate links and then if you have a hundred mana you just yeah, tutor this up walking and through all stuff, of the cards. um cool. like pioneer legal sapling stuff there's uh, uh yeah, fungal we've got a removal spell and fungal spores that one's pretty okay um yeah there's uh there's like a two mana enchantment that you can use to exile yeah cards fungal plots separate like fungal spores or something like that one's okay there's a yeah there's a lord there's i think a three mana three two that makes a separating which is there's not a lot rate. there's a total of uh like four eight twelve sixteen there's sixteen saperling cards are we cards that say saperling I mean, I think it was just like, I think it was just like a fun draft archetype in um, Dominaria, and then like two cards made separately. So that I'm not very surprised. You can pay four, sacrifice a non-token creature, create X one one green sapling creature tokens, where X is the sacrifice creature's toughness. Sp Sporeweb Weaver plays. Uh, they can play that tree folk. Tree makes saplings, I guess. That's I didn't know that. Huh. Uh yeah, there's not there's not much. It's not much. Um just play Tender Shirt Dryad, I guess. Two two. Uh it's five rope. Bit scary. But again, uh, oh, it also has the separating deck. Just uh, has to raise the alarm that you can kick. Just two mana, make two separlings. You can kick it for four uh, mana, I think, and then you get four separlings. I don't see it on this list. That's so like genuinely not a terrible card. Yeah, I feel like there's it's like not... separating sprouting or something. I feel like this this list doesn't. It's separating migration. Uh, one on a green for a sorcery with kicker four. Yeah, create oh, two separlings. Yeah, if it. the spell was kicked, create four instead. Yeah, that's not terrible. I I played that card in like a budget deck in standard. Right, next, we have a card that I think is really powerful. It's Jiora. Uh, is that how to pronounce? Joyra. Ageless Innovator. Joyra. It is a two mana. Is it colors? So a red and a blue for a legendary human artificer. Two, three. You can tap her. Put two ingenuity counters on Jora. Uh, and then you may put an artifact card with mana value X or less from your hand onto the battlefield or X is the number of ingenuity counters on, on her. Um, so turn two, you play this. Turn three, tap play a two or one mana cost artifact for free yeah yeah this like gets out of hand really quickly uh obviously the there's less of a cheating element because it's not like adding up so it doesn't just like add mana that you can only spend on artifacts for example so this can't make give you like a yeah. jump from two to five which i'm pretty sure is by design um though there is like an weapon smith or something that 
does that, and that card's not good, so I guess you don't need to run this. But, like, this gets out of hand quick. Like, you're tapping this on turn three, put a two-mana artifact into play, like, might not be as scary. Turn four, tap this, put a four-mana artifact into play, that's looking scary. Turn four? No, five. Turn five, you tap this, you just drop a God Pharaoh statue. Like, hmm. Again, art is awesome. Like, every card in this set so far has had phenomenal art. Yeah, the it's really cool. Cool to see Tapito. Is it Tapito Claws? The, the like, cosplayer person on the... Uh, who would like yes, this very iconic Joyride so. cosplay? I just think of her now when I see it, so I guess job well. I, I, kind of a similar thing with Chandra, so like, well done. Um, we got one more. But yeah, it's uh, Wrath cool Weatherlight Stalwart, a uh, Azorius creature. So a white and a blue for a one-three human wizard legendary creature. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you may tap two untapped creatures you control. If you do draw a card, you can pay three double white to give all creatures you control plus one plus one vigilance on a turn. It's just an uncommon. Um, I don't think it's particularly good. Um... You need two other creatures to tap. Oh no, you need one other creature. It can tap itself. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think this is like. Yeah, you can tap itself. So like, it can draw you some cards. It's a decent blocker, right? Two mana, yeah. one three. But like, I'm refresh not, like, real quick. See if there's any it. other cards that have been spoiled since we've done this. And no. There's everything, barring a couple of bad uncommons that I didn't talk about. Um, so yeah. So far, set looks pretty cool. Art's been, art is phenomenal in this, phenomenal in this set. Probably my favorite thing about it so far. We have Liliana the Veil, of course, being a really huge card to give uh, any deck that's in black in Pioneer. The world spell is really cool as far as like a ramp payoff um, or also ramp enabler. Um, but that's really it so far. Yeah, on the painlands. The painlands. This is how huge. it is for every set, though. But this is how it should be, right? Every set we should get a handful of cards that are impactful to the format, and a bunch yeah. of cards that are just like these are standard commander decks, that kind of thing. Um, and that's it, right? I'll say, like, what what's, like, your first impression of this set? Now you've seen it. Like, are you, like, more excited than you were before? Are you less excited than you um, were before? My hype lived and died with Liliana, right? That's where, like, like I am, like, I was, like, <laughs> I think you're not the only on one. Twitter being, like, I'm fucking calling this. It's going to be Liliana the Veil. It's, I'm, I'm fucking excited for that. And now that we have her, I'm I'm really happy, really excited for that. That 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 makes this set a win for me in my book without seeing anything else. So everything else is just gravy, and uh, so far we're seeing some cool stuff. 
there's certainly some stuff I'm disappointed by that I think are kind of like underpowered. But again, standard comes first. I get it. So I'm not too upset about that. We got the Painlands. We got Liliana. Uh, and we got some cool stuff. And uh, we'll see what else we get. Otherwise, it's just... Uh, I'm I was more hyped about the Brothers War initially than I am about this set anyway, and that stays the same. No, it's the end I'm of next very year. Very hyped for Ixalom, but that's like two more years. <laughs> yeah, because uh, oh, we should oh, talk about that, year, I guess so too. Like year, um, the the roadmap, but yeah. So give your thoughts on the set so far, and then we'll go oh, into. I think the we roadmap. completely missed that. <laughs> Yeah, I think overall, I'm not, like, as excited for the set for, like, a couple of reasons. First of all, I don't... I'm not a big fan of the mechanics they chose. I don't like Enlist. I'm not a big fan of Domain. I like Kicker. Um, I think Read Ahead is just, like, a slightly different spin on Sagas, which has some interesting gameplay, but, like, is not going to blow me away on probably, like, more than two cards. So... That doesn't make me as excited. I'm a little nervous that they, like, kind of blew their load at the start with some of the cards they spoiled, like Liliana just being, like, the first spoiler, basically, after that, like, initial batch, like, a month ago. So, like, I'm a... I don't know. Like, I think the Shieldred's very disappointing. So I'm, like, lukewarm on this set. But I think that might in part have to do with the fact that the roadmap looks so cool. Like, the past two years, I've been unexcited about the roadmap. Um, not for this one. This roadmap is awesome after yeah, awesome so after awesome. The... So, very excited for that. But overall, it's fine, right? The one thing I'll say about the set, the again, the art is so good that it gets me excited. Genuinely, I am, like, I'm still not, like, super excited that Liliana's in the format, and I kind of wish she wasn't. But I'm genuinely less upset about it because yeah. I get to play with this art. I'm like, I want to put that on the battlefield. Like, that's so going to make me happy. This is the so, go and do that roadmap for the next coming year. Um, so of course we have next month on the ninth, I believe, um, or maybe it's the sixth. One of those is Dominator United official releases. Then we have later. Um, like I think November is uh, the Brothers War. Winter of next year, so the January set, maybe the first week of February, is going to be Phyrexia All Will Be One. So we're going back to Phyrexia. Then the spring set, which is typically around like March or so, uh, March or April, it's going to be March of the Machine. Uh, actually, it would make sense that it's in March because March of the Machine. Be kind of cute for uh, for branding, um, and then we're gonna have another hey. spring set. Probably if this one's in March, I'd say this one's gonna be like May, like right before summer hits. It's gonna be March of the Machine: The Aftermath. So basically, we're gonna have five sets take place in this arc. The main thing is that uh, the first four are the real things of this arc, while the last thing of the March of the Machine, the Aftermath, is going to be like a epilogue type of set where like yeah, it ties up loose ends and it moves Which I forward think the is next story. extremely good. Like, I feel like War of the War of the Spark, like, just ended. And it was like, yeah. guess it's over. And then, and then, and then we went into like Eldrin, a core right? set. So 
and then into Eldraine, I think, which is completely something else. So I'm very happy to see like an epilogue set. And then, uh, you know, after yeah, all the dust settles and itself. the next disaster is averted, so fall we of go back to Eldraine. We get wild of Eldraine, so we're going back to Eldraine. <laughs> and immediately when this happened on stream, I was like, we're really going back to Eldraine before we go back to Amonkhet. But Alex, the next set revealed for winter of 2024, the January set will be the Lost Caverns of Ixalan. We're going back to Ixalan early 2024 yes i'm so excited to go back to ixalan i'm so excited to go back to ixalan i think ixalan is one of my favorite sets i think it is a like the quint one of the quintessential magic sets and it does really cool design it introduced two tribes that we basically hadn't seen very well in dinos and pirates in a cool way it gave us a really cool spin on merfolk a really cool spin on vampires i'm just very happy to see what other ideas yeah. they had in Ixalan. and it's the lost caverns yeah the return mm. of the explorer mechanic i would mm. say i would like, say let's so, bring back Angrath. Yeah, give but it to the me. last time we saw Angrath, he was literally saying fuck this plane i hate all of you i hope you all die and then he peaced out which was the greatest the absolute greatest thing <laughs> ever. Let me actually. I think I have it saved. Yeah, the greatest exit ever. Okay, hold on. I, I have this excerpt saved to my phone. Angrath has left so much. the building. So the story like, goes: Whatley groaned and sat up. She felt bruised and sprained, but lighter somehow. She looked at Angrath, who blinked in dumbfounded amazement. The two of them looked upward, where the immortal sun had been uh, was just now a hole in the ceiling. Angrath laughed heartily. He stood and glared at every person in the room. I hate this plane. I hate this city. And I wish all of you a viscerally painful death. His body glowed a warm and vivid orange. And he called out, see you never pathetic fools. And he planes walked away. That is the greatest exit for any character ever. <laughs> and it's, it's why it's part of why Angrath yes. is like my favorite character ever. in magic. It's so great. He literally said, fuck you guys. <laughs> he pulled the Cartman and said, "Fuck you I just want to be with my home. kids, man. <laughs> so I doubt we're gonna see Angrath return to Ixalan because, <laughs> oh, if he if he gets like resummoned Ixalan for some fucking reason, he's gonna be so fucking pissed. Didn't his is he still with his kids or I, wasn't there a thing though. that his kids died or something or no? Am I am I misplacing that? I, I I don't know that anymore. They they gave him something really some I forgot what, but something really yeah. sad happened to him. Like after Exelon, it's like this guy can't catch a break. Like I remember saying that. Like this guy can't catch quick. a break, but I don't know for what reason anymore. Angrath, MTG Wiki, uh, history. Um, he vanished. Curse Exelon is passing words. He then reunited Teary Eye with his daughters. Um, the page automatically moved for me it's fucking stupid uh daughters at their family's smithy the wonder loss of the planeswalkers hard to deny and his daughter's safe uh he's exploring the multiverse once more Angra's happiness was short-lived he was lured to ravnica by the interplanar beacon and immediately became trapped there due to the bolus due to bolus uh, used to the immortal sun alongside many other planeswalkers and ravnicans he fought against the eternals and the bolus dreadhorde um he could temporarily pull Eternals to his side during the fight, allowing him to amass his own miniature army. That's really fucking cool. Uh, blah, blah, blah. He split up. Um, yep. 
After Gideon killed Ronus, Angrath was able to lead successful charge against the reigning immortals, blah, blah, blah. Survived the battle, was present during the playwright celebration that followed. When the planeswalkers discussed what to do with the immortal sun, Angrath wanted to destroy it because of how it trapped him twice, uh, but was vetoed by the idea that it could help capture planeswalkers who assisted Boris. <laughs> Uh, he had a brief conversation with Teo, telling the boy not to pity the dead for their suffering, but rather to pity the ones they left behind. And then that's it. We, I guess we assume he goes back, back home. Um, yeah. I mean, Angraf's just a badass. I just want him somewhere. Like, But I think Eldrain, uh, Ixalan will be back. Yeah, just give, put him in Eldrain. No, um... I mean, important to note, by the way, they gave us a note because it's called the Wilds of Eldrain. Um, the original Eldrain set obviously yep. focused more on the kingdoms. That's why we got all the castles. And the main story, I think, was about the mm -hmm. Kenrith twins. Name them. To visit Name them realms. right now. Um, so this is going... Uh, hold up. Ambrath? Artem? No, uh, Ambrath? Um, Lockthwain, Garenbrig, Vantress, Ardenvale. Uh, what's the white one? Uh, I'm forgetting what the white castle's called. Ardenvale. Fuck. Oh, I thought it was Arden, but then I was like, no, wait, that's Ardenwield from you World of Warcraft. You know what's funny? Warcraft. It's way but easier to name <laughs> those because they gave us cards with the names on them. Damn it. Where if I asked you to name the ten fucking realms of Kaldheim, uh, I'm trying to think of the lands, I right? Could the not lands name had them. One. <laughs> Bad. Oh, if you think of the lands, yeah, but weren't the lands just like? I mean, I guess, I guess the castles were they even Ooh, the realms, or were they just the names of the castle in the realm? Because those might not be the five realms of El. Because I know one of the lands is from Call Time is Port Carfell, but I don't think the name is the realm is called Carfell. Oh no! So the, the realm it just makes me think it's is like the orderly society consisting of the five courts. The five courts are Ardenvale, Vantress, Lockthwain, Embreth, and Garenbrig. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Look at that. So anyway, so it's not about the court. So it's not about the courts. It is specifically they mentioned we are going out of the courts and into the actual forests, etc where I guess we're going to find a lot so more like witches, we know about it a little bit. So the wilds, the wilds things, are an enchanted environment cool. with shifting borders, where distance, direction, time, and the seasons all seem to be distorted, where both monsters and curses abound. The inhabitants of the wilds are called the fair folk by the people of the realm and include fairies, elves, merfolk, known as undines, Redcap goblins, reclusive human witches who practice dark magic against Ooh. those they deem deserving, and those dwarves and giants who don't choose to live in the realm. The closest things to the wilds have to the ruling body is a council of druids, elves who wish to return to the plane, uh, return the plane back to the days of elvish oppression. Uh, uh, oppression. So there are different portions of it. There's the heartland, which uh, with the ruins of the old crown city of the lost elven dominion. Four pyramids guarding its perimeter, each with a pair of obelisk atop. There's the Jade Bridge and the uh, Obsidian Bridge, crossing the river that surrounds the heart of the realm. The Obsidian Bridge houses a deadly guardian. The amphitheater, made of the remains of Petrified Dragon, where the Council of Druids meet. Uh, there's the Well of Ghosts, the Bridge of Regrets, Ashvale, Bramblefort, the Forest on the Choking Drum, 
Delirium Swamp, infested by brain-eating fungus. Oh, we're getting a fucking uh, smallpox reprint. Let's go. Uh, Fayborough. Uh, the Haunted Glade at the Fringe of the Wilds, where Kenrith twins were born and sacrificed. Uh, there's the Witch's Cottage, the Witching Well at the Haunted Glade. There's Malice Rocks, Merrily Forest, Mistford, Okami, a Elven Settlement, Ogre's Pass, Redfell, Home of Torbran, Tuna Vale, uh, known for its tree folk, Wintermore, and the Wildwood. Yeah, this sounds way more. It honestly sounds this really. This sounds cool. way more interesting than the. It sounds like a place courts, I want where a magic set can happen. Of course. Yeah, but you need to contrast, right? Like the wilds are only cool if the cities Let's, are boring. We're gonna get cities. a new Oko, and it's gonna be fine. It's gonna be fixed. And I, I, I'm calling it right now. If they reprint, not reprint, but they give us a new Oko, it's gonna be <sighs> so horrendously bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they just, be they like just a reprint the Planeswalker deck card from. Yeah. The Planeswalker deck Oko. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited. I, I think like uh, I'm spending time with Phyrexia is going to be really cool. I'm happy to see that. I, I still I still stand by my initial prediction yeah, I think this whole was that we're going to get the cool. entire cycle of Painlands in this set in Brothers War, which so far seems to be correct. And then in Phyrexia, we're getting the entire cycle of Fastlands. Yeah. That'd be dope. More cards with no basic land types to go with your domain cards. Um... Wonderful. I will say there's. I have one worry about this timeline, and as we're gonna get a lot of Phyrexia, what the fuck uh, do we get after? Like, we've had we've had Bolas, we've had Phyrexians. Who? They're gonna have to set up like a new, which like, is gonna be set up in the Lost Cavern thing I bet. to like tie the stories together, right? Because I think that was a. Maybe they find like some ins. Maybe they find like inscriptions of the of the Eldrazi being there earlier or whatever, and then like they find like caveman drawings of that look like Eldrazi, and then yeah. they're like oh, and then we set up like more Eldrazi stuff. Maybe like Tamio, like completed Tamio, fuck something up, and like she like casts a spell, <laughs> and she's like, wait, nothing happened, and it's like, yeah, oh, that'd be kind of cool, <laughs> just not here, <laughs> like. Like Emrakul bursts out of Innistrad's moon and just fucks off, right? You know and what's then, weird like, though, as I'm looking at this uh, timeline or this uh, roadmap, it feels like I'm looking at a roadmap for like a new phase of Marvel movies. Like it just ha like March, especially March of the Machine, and like for, like <laughs> so so the Brothers of War for Axie, March of the Machine, those all look like like a main thing of like Avengers shit going on, and then Wilds of Eldraine is like. The, the the Agatha movie or some shit, and then the the Ixalan is like we're we're bringing a ragtag team coming out to like set up the next phase or like end the phase to like birth the the next chapters. Which honestly, like magic, will probably and Watsi would probably benefit from like taking the idea of story building not the actual stories and what happens in marvel i don't want that but the idea of story building and the way phases work i think that i think that might be the way they're moving forward now with 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 a return to that brad there's one new it, there's one new spoiler i want to quickly mention and then i think it's a good time to wrap up but you're gonna like this one 
Astor, Bearer of Blades, Human Warrior, Legendary 4-4. When Astor enters the battlefield, look at the top 7 cards of your library. You may reveal an equipment or vehicle from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Equipments you control have equip Ooh. one. Vehicles you control have crew one. Yeah. Um, even just Hammer Boris time, vehicles. baby. I mean, if vehicles have crew one, that's kind of dope. This feels strange because that means he is like extremely yeah. overqualified. Oh, there's one other uh, spoiler. Uh, lightning strikes back. <laughs> yeah, there was, and then there's resolute reinforcement, which is just raise the alarm with more steps, and micromancer, which is four mana for a three-three. When it enters the battlefield, search your library for an instant or sorcery. Join forces. I think it's already a card. Put it into your hand. Untap yeah, two target creatures. They get plus two plus two in the turn instant. It's just like a combat trick. All right. I'm pretty sure it is, yeah. Uh, what is this? Or like, at least we've had 100 cards. Uh, like Micromancer. 4 mana, 3-3. Three, three. Oh, I completely ignored you. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's the one I just read out. Yeah, that's fine. We're never getting Lightning Bolt in Pioneer. No Lightning Bolt. There's no way. Like, there's no Lightning shot. When, when we got Liliana, Waker of the Dead, people were like, this is... And we were also like, this is Pioneer's Liliana of the Veil, because we obviously can't get that card. But they, they're they like, we tried it. We tried to give you a, a powered down Liliana. You all said it was bad. So, here. Yeah, and nobody thinks Lightning yeah, Strike but the is difference... a good card, so... <laughs> But the difference between Liliana I've been lightning striked out of the game and that it's, four it's mana played. Liliana versus the difference between Lightning Bolt and Lightning Strike, it's not even close. Like those two planeswalkers are far closer to one another than Lightning Bolt to Lightning Strike. True. But that's gonna do it for us. Thank you so much for listening. You guys are the best. I know we said we talked a little bit about the Mono Green using Teferi Time Raveler. Not Time Raveler. Fuck. Uh, who turns back the sun, slows down the sun, whatever. Time Ooh, thing. slows down the sunset. Yeah, cool. Slows down the sunset. Because he doesn't TLDR, want the moon to come up. Because the four mana Teferi that can werewolves. untap an artifact creature in a land. Um, or tap the ones you don't control. And it just goes really well with uh, with Mono Green being able to untap your Chain Veil, a land, and a, like a Mana Dork or whatever, and just kind of continually go off. Yeah, so Nykthos, Mana Dork, Chain Veil, and if you have enough Devotion, you just go through your whole deck. Uh, at least now you gain infinite life and you make infinite matter. mana. And You're I don't just know trying what to the kill fairy him with, does the, when he with the Chain Veil into Pestilent Cauldron now. So that's the yeah, new, that's the new thing. So, you know, good. if you want to fairies, uh, he's skyrocketing up already. There's been a bunch of buyouts there. He's not available on moto, like uh, for the most part, when it comes to like rental services and trying to find him to buy. Um, and I imagine the paper version is going to go up exponentially. So uh, if you have your copies of him, cool. Good for you. Enjoy playing mono green. If you don't uh, have fun playing against him.
monogreen's starting to look a little scary. It's giving me oops yeah. vibes, where every time we think we got them, the they come up with something is new. Still Karn and they with just the kill everyone again. And the combo. Like, oh, we'll see. I even, but without Nykthos, we won't even play. Or I'm sorry, with without Karn, you don't even play Teferi. You're playing that to just make your combo better. So. True. But let's not get stuck in that one because of I have course. to have so my air go so much off when guys, we're recording. And I am the boiling. So uh, if you want to get early access to episodes, you can go ahead and join our Patreon, and that allows you to uh, get early access to episodes and some other goodies. We have other tiers available as well. Quick shout out to our members, which is going to be Aaron, Will, Aaron again. So we have two Aaron's. We have Aaron Richardson, Aaron Garrett. Patrick Newman, Bridger, and Sir Epic, and then Alex's friend over on Anchor. Kevin! We love you. We appreciate Kevin. you. You guys are the best. Uh, you also get merch for us as well, inkgaming.com. Uh, so there's two links. One to get merch with our stuff on it. Affiliate link to just get anything. Proceeds help and go to us in any way. Uh, you can follow us both on Twitter. I am at Bradsfer. Alex is at Alex Lochtwain. And that's pretty much it. You guys are the best. We love you, and we hope you listen to us ramble some more about more spoilers next week, which by the time we actually record next week, we should have the entirety of all the spoilers out. So that should be the full list. Yeah, it's only a week long for spoilers. Oh, that's going to be a quick one. Uh, and then we'll do our top ten. So, Damn. cool. So thanks, guys. Bye.